welcome to The Last Ones In, where being linked to the party isn't a bad thing. I am your host, Jariah, and with me this week we have E to my right. Hello. And straight ahead we have Robbie. Hey guys. Uh, it's just going to be us three this week. Kind of a little old-fashioned. Everyone else is a bit busy today, so keeping it small and tight, I guess. The movie we're going to be taking a look at this week is called Brothers. It's a movie... I think I've talked about it for a little while that we need to watch at some point. It was just never could quite find out exactly when we should watch it. You wanted to do this one originally with a theme month of of other movies that shared the same kind of theme. Yeah, uh, we did talk about that. I think you came to the conclusion it'd be just a little bit too much. A lot of sad. Yeah, it it would be a lot of sad. Uh, I feel like it would probably be just as much sad if maybe a little bit more than the anti-love would be. But yeah. it's just uh, movies that I wanted to show at some point in time, but they, uh, I, I kind of realized they all kind of followed that same theme, so I kind of just threw it out there as a, hey, like maybe we can do it as a theme month, and then it got shut down, which is all right, but I still feel like it's definitely a movie worth watching, even if it's not in a series of other movies dealing with things like PTSD and trauma. I mean, we'll definitely be taking a look at those other movies at some point, but all of them together is just... Uh... A bit much. Um, but before we get to all that, uh, how are you doing, Robbie? What's new? Actually, had a little bit of a busy week. Had another, not audition. Why did I say, why was I going to say audition? <laughs> did you get the <laughs> part? <laughs> I had an interview, but yes, I actually did get the part with that. Um, there's another company. Uh, they're making ventilators, and so they actually need a whole lot of people to start machining parts for that. So Nice. Uh, I got the call on Tuesday. Went uh, for an interview on Wednesday. And by like 4 p.m. on that Wednesday, they're like, hey, we want you for the job. Like, can can you be here on Monday? So that's where I'm going to be on Monday. Awesome. Yeah. That's good news. You were worried about that a lot. Other than that, uh, this weekend, I did uh, drive down to my mom's place, the two-hour drive to get there. And I kind of surprised her as an early Mother's Day gift just because I, I'm going to be busy on that Monday. So I can't really show up on Sunday. That's true. That's sweet of you. I try sometimes. <laughs> and cool. E. Hello. How have you been this week? Uh, I've been okay. Uh, the game that I've been talking about for a while, we're tantalizingly close to release. We just need to get 48 hours without finding any major bug, and then we can actually release the game, but we keep finding a bug, so it keeps getting set back. Is that like the window of like, if you can't find anything in 48 hours, then there must not be one? Yeah, if we can't find anything major in 48 hours, then we are in a releasable state, is the idea. Weird. Huh. What? <laughs> I don't know. That I don't was know. Just, in that 48 hours, we have to like constantly play the game. Well, right. If that, yeah. That's just kind of weird. It's like, well, I guess nobody found anything in two days of playing, so we're good. Everybody else will also not find anything. That's not That's not what it is. It's <laughs> You won't probably find any. The major, If we get that, the majority of players probably won't find anything, is the idea. We know... The game design world's not stupid. We know there's bugs that we don't know of. It's just a matter of if we can get as many out of the game before we send, then we're good. Uh, in other news, uh, this morning, the power in my entire apartment building just kind of went out. You're How's having it? amazing luck with that place. Yeah, uh, they sent an email out when the power came back on that the power was out, which is a very on par with them. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, so finals is next week. Got to gotta get that going. I only have one real final. The rest are like a paper or a, a final assignment, nothing too 
crazy, which is good because I hate taking tests because I'm not that good at them. So you don't just have like a week packed of like four hour tests. Yeah, just going like one test, then show off the work, and then just get that paper graded, and then something else that we don't know yet. A mystery <laughs> final? Yeah, it's not a final final. The professor just said it's for the game class. She doesn't know because uh... theoretically we would we sh- were supposed to be shipped like two weeks ago. Right. But you know you shouldn't release a bad buggy game. Yeah, so it's been hectic. Uh, I'm excited because I soon get to just draw for myself again, and I I love doing that because I don't all the time. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be fun. But enough about my life. How is the esteemed Numero Uno himself? Um, good, good, good. I want to. I want to say good. In all spirits, I can't say good. Uh, this week we failed that upload to come in on time, so that really sucked. It's not going to happen again. Be assured, listeners, the schedule will will come through 100% from now on. That was that was a bad feeling, and yeah, things are things are rough, but good, I suppose. All right. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it on my end. So. I have seen this movie. I know for a fact. I rented it. I put it in my DVD player, and I watched the movie till the credits rolled. I think I remember what happens in it, but I have been told by Robbie that I do not remember what happens in this movie. I think it's just a matter of, like, you said, like, oh, yeah, I remember this happens. Like, no, that, that that's not this movie, but... I I might be wrong. I might have never seen this movie. I am almost certain I've seen this movie, though. To be fair, like because this movie, it's named Brothers. It was done in 2009. There are a lot of movies that have the name Brother in it that have been done since then and before then even. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Are you sure you didn't see Step Brothers? I have seen that. It definitely wasn't this movie. Yeah, very different movie. <laughs> very different feel. Because, yeah, there's Step Brothers. There's Two Brothers. Um, Brotherhood. I, I guess for like a very true. early fun fact, there's actually the 2004 film uh, called Brothers that this is actually a remake of. Oh, yep, that's weird. Did I see that movie? I doubt it. That'd be it a was really a, weird remake. If yeah, you, that was a, you still are wrong somehow. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, the 2004 movie Brothers it was actually a Dutch film. Huh. And as far as I know, it didn't really go that far out because like I, I didn't even know that the 2004 movie was a thing until I watched this movie, but. The people who made this mo- our movie, they loved the concept of it so much that they wanted to make like in a, their own remake of it, and they felt that with 2009 and where we were with the Afghanistan-Iraq war, that it melded very well with what was happening with American families at the time. So it's like an American remake then? More or less, yeah. Huh. Okay. Like, there are differences, but we can get into that later. So I might not have seen this movie... He has not seen this movie. Yeah, for sure what? he hasn't seen it. <laughs> and Robbie is the one that's presenting today. I think we should start with the person who for sure hasn't seen this movie. What do you think this movie's going to be about, E? Okay, so there are these brothers. Off to a good start. And uh, is during a very hard time, possibly the Great Depression, possibly an unknown depression-like state, uh, and the brothers are very sad and they have to part ways momentarily and when they come back or when they finally meet together 
oh no, it's on the battlefield for some reason. That's my guess. <laughs> okay. The things that I remember I feel like might be super spoilery, or maybe I don't remember them. <laughs> so I'm just going to say it's about two best friends, and they're brothers in arms, and one of them gets injured and has to go home, and the other one has to stay, and their lives are changed forever. Maybe you don't remember this movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess with those out of the way, I guess we can read the back of the box. Captain Sam Cahill is embarking on his fourth tour of duty, leaving behind his beloved wife and two daughters. When Sam's Black Hawk helicopter shot down in the mountains of Afghanistan, the worst is presumed, leaving an enormous void in the family. Despite a dark history, Sam's charismatic younger brother, Tommy, steps in to fill the family void. Oh, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think that's close. That that's kind of close to what I said. Kind of. I, I will say this much, at least. They are real brothers within the movie. Okay. Okay. Uh, that sounds kind of scummy on the younger brother's part. It this gives off that vibe. Um, impression. Yeah, whenever like you hear about this movie and you see the trailer for this movie, it kind of gives off that scummy feeling for it. But what the movie ended up being about and what people kind of saw it as, like whenever it was just with trailers and everything, it were two very different things. At least in my opinion, it was like uh, if I were to show you guys the trailer for it, I feel like it would actually kind of give a little bit of a spoilerish nature to it. But yeah, the trailer feels very different than what the movie is. But I think they wanted people to feel that coming into this movie. Would you say it's misleading or just it's kind of like going through a cave with a broken flashlight? OK, uh, what's, the, what's the rating? Actually, that's a good question. Uh, it's an R-rated movie. You guys keep showing it's... me R-rated movies. I don't know if I'm this old is an adult podcast. It is explicit. <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's rated r for language some disturbing and some disturbing violent content Ooh, violence there's not a lot in it like oh. i did watch it to make sure that he would be able to handle it and he he definitely could handle this movie i wonder do you think if it was released now it would have a lower rating then i don't know I, it might have a higher rating i know that there was a little bit of controversy with this movie there was some people who saw it as an anti-war movie and there's a lot of people who saw it as like, you know, things that it's not, but it just kind of comes off on the surface of being, being something else. is a controversial t- In 2009, when it came out, it was because there's a lot of people like we were still very much in the war with Iraq and Afghanistan. And there are so people who are very, very pro-war and there's people who are very anti-war. There was people saying that we were there for the right reasons. There's people who were saying that we were there for oil, oil and uh, that we like basically we were the, the invading bad guys. And then like. There's people who are saying that, like, um, it was basically our addiction to oil that was causing all these men to come back all fucked up and everything. But that's neither here or there for that. But, like, <laughs> that was very much kind of the theme for the movie. Or not the theme for the movie, but it was kind of the theme for, like, you know, whenever you talk about the war in general around that time. I guess I might have a different perspective because, like, just in my life, there was just the war. And that was just kind of like this concept that is always there. Right. Well, you've been alive. We've just always been in Iraq. Yeah. Almost, like, almost our entire lives as well. Yeah. Almost. I think me and Drya were nine or ten years old whenever we first went. Yeah, we were about ten. When we first went? Yeah, like when you guys Not were when stationed. You, but <laughs> when like you were stationed country. in Iraq. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> when the country first went to war. That's when you watched this movie. Like, that whole time just, like, blanked oh. out. That's why you don't remember the movie, right? You're actually um, just talking about your time in the war. <laughs> <laughs> and so if people want to watch this with us before we go and talk about it, before they listen to the rest, uh, where could they do that at, Robbie? So it's a little bit harder to actually find a place to watch this movie. Uh, you know, there's the usual suspects. There's YouTube and Google Play and Vudu and Amazon Prime all for $3.99 that you can watch this movie. However, if you were to Google it, it would say that if you have a Hulu subscription, you'd be able to watch it. 
but that's only if you have a Cinemax subscription. So this is another one of those cases of you can eat a water or you can, you eat, can oh, eat a water. Yeah, you can eat a water. Your you crops? can eat a water if you freeze it. Uh, I was gonna say uh, it's another one of those cases to where you can eat a Whopper at McDonald's, but only if you buy it at Burger King first. Right. I feel like Hulu. Maybe it's not even Hulu's fault, but I feel like a lot of their things are when you like go to like watch this thing streaming. And it says on Hulu. I feel like they've been pretty misleading lately, actually. They have, because it's a lot of like, oh, you can watch it on Hulu, but you have to have a Star subscription, or yeah. you have to have a Cinemax, or a Showtime, or something else like that. So yeah. it, it is misleading, if you ask me, especially if you're just like Googling it really quick, and then you click on it, and like, oh, well, I can't watch it then. Yeah, but yeah it's a little... This is another one of those, like, there's not a whole lot of places to stream it right now, so you would have to either rent it or buy it, kind of. So, uh, yeah, three ninety nine. rent it from all of the usual places if you want to watch before you listen to the rest of this. If you don't want to do that and you just want to listen to us <laughs> talk about it, uh, keep listening. Wait, how long is this movie? It's an hour and 50 minutes. Oh, we'll be back in a couple hours our time. Yeah. A few seconds yours. Talk to you guys in a little bit. And we are back from watching Brothers. Boy, oh boy, do I have... At least one thought. It's something. That's something. But let's start our non-spoiler thoughts on it and our buy, rent, streamer pass with E. Uh, this is a good movie. I would, I I enjoyed it for the most part. If anything, I think it might be a bit too long, but it's one of those, I think it's long, but I don't know what I would cut from it. Right, I don't know. I don't know there, how to talk about it without going into spoilers yeah. a lot, but there feels like it feels like th- nothing happens in this movie except for like one very particular thing, and most of it is just like character building, right? Like that's basically yeah. all this entire yeah. movie is. is. Like you have to get to know these people so that you care when something actually happens. That's more or less what it is. Uh, there is a lot of nothing that happens in this movie for like the first, for, not the first half. Uh, like the more most important parts is like the beginning and the ending of the movie, and a lot of just. Character building happens in the middle of it, right? Uh, I would give it a a rent, probably. Okay. I would say I don't. It's a it's a weird. I don't know if I would say to buy because I don't know if this is a movie you really find yourself wanting to watch a lot, personally at least. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, so a rent. As for me, I definitely did not remember most of this movie. That very end part, I remember that, right. but I also remember that end part happening very differently. Yeah, I mean, you talked about that before we actually uh, did the podcast for this movie. Yeah, so this movie was a bit different from what I remembered it being, but I don't know. I didn't hate this movie at all. Like, for the most part, I really did enjoy it. I thought that most of the acting was really good, except for uh, maybe uh, Tobey Maguire was punching above his weight a little bit. A little bit. I think this might have been a movie because this is like right after the Spider-Man trilogies and this is him trying to kind of go Not out. Spider-Man. Like, there's a lot I learned about him while uh, doing research for this movie. Yeah. He's not a good person, first off. No. Anyway. That is one of the things that I learned, actually. <laughs> like, uh, I looked at the budget for this movie and then I looked for how much money he was demanding for the Spider-Man movies and I feel like a large portion of the budget of this movie was just paying him to be in it. Wouldn't doubt it. Isn't there a big reason why Spider-Man 3 turned out the way it turned out, too? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't think it's a bad movie by any means. Jake Gyllenhaal is amazing in it. There's very few things that he's been in where I haven't thought that he is the shining light of that entire film. 
uh, this is included. He gives an amazing performance, honestly. He's very charming in this movie. Without him, this movie would fall flat on its face. There's a lot of things about this I don't like, though. There's a lot of really, really heavy-handed anti-war stuff in it. And I'm not pro-war, but I'm also not like... You don't have to do this extreme thing that they do in this to make me anti-war, I guess? I don't know. Which, I don't think that was the point of this movie either, but we can get into that when we start talking more spoiler-wise. Yeah. Right? I would say if you're curious about it at all, it's at least worth a rent, but I don't know. If you don't like a character study about... Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> about war and PTSD, then it's not going to be for you. You have to be ready for that experience, I think, right. and ready to delve into the subtleties of kind of what that can be. Because that's, that's what this movie is. Whole hog. Like, if you're not ready for that, then don't go in. But, yeah, I would say uh, at least a rent. Okay. Yeah. Um, and as you guys know, since I've been bugging dry to watch, well, <laughs> it's other movies that are kind of connected to this, but uh, I felt like this would actually kind of fall into that same realm. Um, like I did enjoy this movie when I first saw it, and I think part of it is I was taken by surprise because, uh, like I was telling you guys before, the movie itself... Uh, Whenever you watch the trailer for it, it seems like it's going to be a movie about an affair, but it's not really that, like, at all. Like, it ends up becoming something totally different, and it does have, like, those anti-war themes, and it has a couple couple other themes to it. But the director, like, when he talks about the movie, he says that he mostly wanted it to be more of a family dynamic movie, and that's kind of, um, it is a character study. It is, um, it's a study of someone who... You know, coming back from a war, and in a sense, because we were kind of very deep inside of a war whenever that happened, right? Uh, it, it does play a huge part of that too, and why a lot of people actually do see this as an anti-war movie, even though it's meant to be more of a family drama. But uh, I think it's a good movie. There are a lot of. It's not so much that I don't feel like they're like their characters are punching above their weight. It's just like I don't feel like they gave as much of a convincing performance as they could have, especially like I said with Tobey Maguire. I feel like they could have chose someone different than him but he was the big thing back into that well i guess just like the early 2000s he was one of those big actors so they wanted to have an a-listed cast for this and he was very much an a-listed cast person during this time so that's why they got him for this role i just i feel like there's a handful of actors that were doing other things at the time that really could have pulled this role off seamlessly whereas toby mcguire i think i don't know he played it a little too deadpan Okay. It was it was unconvincing for me. That's fair. But I mean, he's I, he's the lowest point of a bunch a great of great movie of a myriad of amazing performances. Yeah, I guess with mine, um, I tend to get drawn towards movies like this. So I would say it's a buy. But I think once again, that's just my personal opinion on this one. They're all our personal opinions. No, mine's a fact. <laughs> Yeah, it, this very much is a movie of its time, but I still feel like it was well done. There are a couple scenes that are kind of weird or eh. Other than that, like it's, I guess you can say it's a couple flaws on what's all around a good movie, in my opinion. So, a big thing, as you might have guessed, uh, if you cannot see Tobey Maguire as anything but Spider-Man, it is kind of hard to take this movie seriously. So that's also an important thing to note, because like I feel like that was a big <laughs> thing for you. Yeah, I had that issue a lot. Yeah, there were a lot of very serious, very dark moments in the movie to where he just busted out laughing because he's like, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I can't yeah. take this seriously. It's uh, What was the, uh, 
not about time. Five hundred eternal, eternal sunshine and the spotless mind. That one, with, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Yeah, um, <laughs> like I had a similar issue there where I couldn't take uh, what's it, Jim Jim, Jim Carrey? Carrey? Jim yeah, Carrey. I couldn't take him as seriously as I think it was wanting me to. So, just a little heads up if you're like me and can't separate the role from the actor in that case. That's fair. I mean. That that happens. Actors become attached to characters, and they become synonymous with what this thing is and what this brand is. And so when they try and branch off from that, it just doesn't work. I think that's a lot of the problem with a lot of television shows. Yeah. Is a very successful television show like Friends, there's only a couple of people in that that went on to be insanely successful. It took a long time for them to find footing in another project because people just viewed them as, this is the character they played for this many years. This is how I see them. I can't see them as anything else. All right. That's your last chance. From here on out, we're going full on into spoilers. Ye be warned. We start with the flag being raised at a marine base on a snowy morning. The narrator says, October 7th, 2007. Four days until we deploy. Grace knows I would do anything to get back to her. Anything. We see a picture of Grace fading along with the letter that is being written by the Marine at the base that we find out is Sam. And as he's writing this letter, man knocks on the door and tells him that he has briefing papers for him from the colonel's office, tells him to leave it on the desk, and then he leaves. Outside later, we see him in his truck, and he stops the major at the base and hands him the letter addressed to Grace, telling him, I hope you don't have to deliver it. He says, copy that for him to be safe out there. Back at the house, Grace is giving one of the daughters a bath when he comes home. He gives Grace a kiss hello. Then he goes to his older daughter, which he calls Izzy, who's reading a book in her room, and she's very much just trying to ignore him in a sense. Like, she's Actually, mad at can him. I, can I just... What is it with, like, movies and just, like, having the mother give, like, a, like, 10-year-old-looking daughter a bath? <laughs> I mean, she's five in this, but... But, like, why is that, like, such, like, a thing for movies to do? Like... I think it's to show, like, a level of innocence, right? Because, like, the thing that we're about to go into for the rest of the movie goes darker and darker into it, and this is kind of showing that family dynamic of, like, it's trying to put into your head of, like, this is innocent. Like, this is this is pure family, right? Yeah, this is the American dream, in a sense, you know? The wife with two kids and white picket fence Again, kind of situation. It's, it's, like, uncomfortable how common I feel it is in a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah, it happens a lot. It's, so a, it's that stereotype of happiness. Yeah, it's an easy way to convey something without actually having to say that it is that. Hope it's just that. All right. Anyways, while she's reading her book and trying to ignore him, he asks her what's wrong. She says that it's nothing. She kind of just like pushes away from him. Then he asks her for a hug, and she says no. He asks how come again. She tells him uh, that she just wants to read her book. and it's t- Tell that she's clearly angry at him. He's like, uh, give me a kiss. And she's like, no, two kisses, three kisses, because he's a kid, so he's like, do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he starts tickling her. Well, because, like, like, he asks us wrong. She's like, you're leaving again. And that's whenever he, like, starts to just try to tickle her a little bit. And that's whenever she starts to laugh a little bit. And then he's like, oh, you're going to get 100 kisses now. And, like, just tickling her and, like, kind of playing around. That's when the younger daughter comes in and sees them playing and decides she wants to play again and starts jumping on the bed and just, like, knees him between the shoulder blades. Yeah, she breaks his back, <laughs> and he is in the hospital for the rest of the movie. 
classic little kid move. I had I as an uncle, I have had my back jumped on by little children so many times. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you too, actually. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> After him and the girls play around for a little bit, Grace comes into the bedroom. She asks him if he can stay. He just responds with, he's my brother. She responds with, he doesn't deserve you. Cuts up to Tommy walking out of prison, and you can just hear a random prisoner just shout out, go rob another bank, Tommy, as he walks and. Oh, I didn't hear that at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only time it straight up says what he did is whenever, because unless you have subtitles on or you're just like really listening for it. Yeah. But I had the headphones on when I was watching it, so. There you go. And yeah, I just straight up heard him go, or one of them yell out, go rob another bank, Tommy. And like, you know, oh, go bring the money back, Tommy, and blah, blah, blah. You know, like prisoners do. Yeah. Yeah, you know the camaraderie of prisoners. (laughs) (laughs) Which, first little fun fact. You still owe me a beer, Tommy. Um, first fun fact, originally Jank, or Jank Gyllenhaal, <laughs> originally Jank Gyllenhaal wanted to play Sam and Tobey Maguire wanted to play Tommy. Jim Sheridan, the director, didn't feel like Maguire was convincing enough to play the bad brother. So they switched the roles. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's make Maguire little clean baby face gonna. <laughs> yeah. So he picks up his brother mm-hmm. and they just kind of drive in the. He's like, hey, are you going to apologize to that woman? And his brother just kind of doesn't care. He just kind of plays with the radio and then, like, looks off. Yeah, what they did is they passed by that bank that he robbed, apparently. And, like, once again, this movie, uh, the director has a weird thing about trying to play out a scene that's happened without them actually talking about it. So that's why there's a lot of scenes wherever just their face says everything that they want to say without them actually saying any words. And Toby Guire is... does that weird smile that he does. That weird not human smile. I mean, if you've seen Tobey Maguire do his weird smile, you know the face we're talking about. He just doesn't smile like a human. <laughs> but yeah, like when they pass by, he's like, you're going to apologize to that lady? Light screen. Okay. Just keeps on driving because it's just like, hey, he doesn't want to talk about it. So he's just very much deflecting it. Then Sam drops off Tommy at a pawn shop. Tells him like, so what are you going to do? He says, I don't know. Just going to cash a check, cash this check. And then who knows what? Then he's like, "All right, don't rob the place. Fuck you!" And like, just Actually, walks off. Where did he? Where was that check from? Um, if he was in prison, it's possible he had a prison job, which in which case that could have been a check from that. It um, probably was. Could have been something from his brother. Who knows? It just kind of cuts to him home. Uh, well, it cuts to first like showing that Tom, or his brother Tommy is living at a motel and uh, he's like sitting there and he's like you can't even get hot water there and he makes that little joke or not that uh, joke yeah. that little comment of like don't even have hot water here jesus we have hot water in prison <laughs> but then after that it uh cuts to grace cooking in her kitchen and you have them making comments about how she does not know how to cut up vegetables yeah they were very uneven yeah i mean like i i'm not gonna act like i'm a aficionado on cutting vegetables but like <laughs> You got to cut straight down. You don't she was like cutting at angles and like it was like the cucumbers were getting thicker on one side and really thin or if they wouldn't even reach the other side. Like come on. I mean, there's a small chance that the actress in real life has a person that cooks for her. So it's very likely. <laughs> or, she might not actually know how to chop. <laughs> yeah. Well, Grace is very bad poorly chopping the or uh, chopping this cucumber is what it, I think that's it was. what it was, yeah. Um the mother-in-law, she ends up pulling out the meatloaf out of the out of the oven, and she's looking for a place to put it, and she can't figure out where to put it. And she's like, oh, just you know, put it over here. 
she ends up making like the backhanded comment of like, how do you stand this kitchen? It's a terrible kitchen. Yeah, it is a terrible kitchen, but like it's, I don't know. I don't feel like you go into someone else's house and be like, God, your house sucks. Maybe you don't. No, I don't. (laughs) But uh, yeah. But no, I think, I think part of it might also be like me and Dry grew up in a poor environment. So like our parents would every now and then, even if someone did have like, you know, a bad house or something or they didn't clean it well, or, you know, there was siding falling off it or something like that. They just like, just don't make any comments about it. Like you don't have anything nice to say. Don't say anything at all. Kind of thing. Yeah. It's just like, they can't help it. Like, you know, that's what happens when you grow up in a poor environment, I suppose. But after she makes that backhanded comment, she just asks, so you're ripping your hair out with Sam or it's Sam leaving. And she's like, well, what do you do? Like, they call, you go, kind of thing. And that's the thing about the army. Like, people I know that were in the army, that's the thing. Like, army calls. Like, you have no other choice. Like, that's your job. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah. And all this while, Grandpa's just playing Connect Four with the girls. And he loses. As a grandpa Five-year-old. does. Five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> you don't compete in Connect Four with a little girl, Ian. Why not? It's just not morally correct. By whose morals? My, 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 well, no, actually... I I'll feel def- like you would 100% beat your nieces. Yeah, I would definitely try really hard to win. <laughs> and then lose anyways, yeah, probably. Yeah, and then be like, I'm going to do it, because I'm a good person. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would lose at Connect 4, because I'm actually just kind of bad at Connect 4, but, like, I wouldn't intentionally... <laughs> I, I, I stand by, I won't intentionally lose at anything. I can see that. I might not go as hard as I would in, like, a tournament setting, but I definitely wouldn't <laughs> go... <laughs> I was really so, confused because, so I'm going to say now, the passage of time is really weird in this movie. Mm-hmm. It is. And I was like, oh, wait, is he stationed all right? Nope, there he is. He's in the building, I guess. That's oh. one of the things I was talking about earlier of, like, things just kind of happen and it's a character piece. Because, like, there's a point in the movie where it's like, it's been two months. Like, oh, three scenes have happened. It's been two months? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, this movie is really, really bad about how much time is actually going by. Yeah. I think it's like you said, you want it to be shorter, but at the same time, like they're cutting it as much stuff that you need to know about these characters in as small segments as possible. So, yeah, and sometimes like, like within all this that we've seen so far, this is all still the same day. And then, like you said, like three scenes pass and like it's two months later. I don't, yeah. I feel like this isn't the same day. No, it's still, it's the same day. Just later on that night. I honestly could. I would I think it was the I, same day, but I honestly couldn't tell. I don't know. Is this the hill you want to die on? <laughs> I will die on many hills, but I don't think that's how hill, how dying works. <laughs> I think you get one hill. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tommy walks up to the house. He rings a doorbell, and little girl answers. He looks at her and says, "Oh, are are you Isabel?" She says, "No, I'm Maggie." Isabel's the big one. Yeah, Isabel's the big one. And he's like, "Oh, is is everyone else here?" He's like, "Oh, my mom. Uh, no, I think he's just like, oh, well, I'm Tommy. Oh, my mom doesn't like you." And then Grace just comes to the door and, like, just, Maggie! That's what you said. <laughs> yeah. Say what you about five-year-olds. They're honest. They are. To a fault. That's why you gotta to beat fault. them at video games. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then Tommy's like, okay, well, here, these are for your mom. And he pulls out some flowers from behind his back, and he hands them to the little girl, and the little girl hands them to the mom. Like, these are for you, he said. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Then- <laughs> it's a weird scene, though, because it's not, like, it's a weird thing to be coy about. Right. It's odd. Yeah. I think it's that's kind of the whole idea of that, though, because this is a guy who did a couple years in prison, and it's, you know, he hasn't been out very long, and now he's, like, has to deal with the outside world and things that his family probably said about him while he, or while he was inside prison. True. He comes inside the house, gives his mom and Sam a hug, and his father gives his father just a really quick handshake and calls him sir, then walks away from him. 
Yeah, so now it's they're all eating the meatloaf at the dinner table. Uh, they say their prayers because they are a good American Christian family. Mm-hmm. They all sit, and the um, stepmother says, this is a very special meal for us because we are welcoming one someone home and we're sending one off. And we ask you, Lord, to keep them safe and bring him back home. Right? Right. They all start to eat dinner together. Then while they're eating, Tommy is just kind of like, you know, pushing apart, or away his peas. And Maggie asks him, like, how come you're not eating your peas? Oh, I hate peas. Then she's just like, oh, well, I hate peas too. And then Sam tells her, well, eat your peas. And then Isabel's like, well, I like my peas. And she's like, then Maggie's like, okay, I like peas then. And yeah, because that's she, what a five-year-old does. Yeah, like, she, <laughs> she's just repeating what everyone says. <laughs> which, I don't know when to say this, but I'll just say this fun fact. Are, Those which probably, aren't real peas. No, they're real peas. <laughs> I guess the director, Jim, he just had a tendency to let the girls just go wild and do whatever they were supposed to do for that scene. And they just had all the other actors improvise around it because just to let the kids act like kids for the movie. I feel like you kind of have to do that with kids a lot of times. You do, but there's some directors, like, they, they're they still probably pushy about, like, you know, you need to say this or you need to do this for this and, like, probably have to work to get kids to do certain lines and certain things. But yeah, I guess those with kids him, usually end up a bit uh, not all right. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of Hollywood <laughs> actors who start out as working as kids, and they're not okay people. And honestly, I feel like you get a way better performance when you just let a kid do what they want. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of what he did is he just told the actors, like, improvise and do what you need to to, like, get the scene going. Let the kids just do whatever they're doing. Yeah. And so, like, they just, her parroting everyone, that was just her being her. I feel like you get the best performances that way. Yeah. This is a really, like, a really grossly, like, accurate kind of dinner scene. Or it's just you can cut the tension, cut the tension, cut the tension with a knife, or however that saying goes. Yeah, you yeah. got it right. Yeah, uh, and like it kind of just reminds me of those scenes where just someone says something a little like, uh, and then no one can really say anything after. Yeah, it has that feeling the whole scene after. Well, after the peas bit, because that's just like, yeah, aha, children. <laughs> That's kind of what that is, but then, you know, after the whole peace sequitur, that's when Tommy asks Sam when he's leaving. Tells him that he's leaving Tuesday, which, but uh, the actual October 11th when he was supposed to leave was actually a Thursday in 2009. Ruined. Can't believe they didn't think about that. Yeah. Wow. Fucking directors. (laughs) (laughs) But that also being said, uh, the only other thing people complain about with this movie is uh, a lot of the tropes for this movie, like uh, the fact that it's um, Fort Marcel or whatever it was called, uh, it was actually, that's only... If it's a fort, then it's army. If it's a camp, then it's uh, marines, and he's a marine. Yeah. So, like, a cool. lot of things that he I did, never would have caught yeah. that at all. It, it was mostly people who have actually served in the armed forces that would know right. this, too. But, yeah. yeah, it was just, like, a whole bunch of little details that he, he did for the army instead of the marines, and I guess people complained about that. <laughs> I think that's a fair thing to complain about, because that's literally yeah. just ask a marine what they're called. Yeah, <laughs> you could probably find one. But after that, that's yeah. whenever it starts to actually really get tension, is after he asks that, and... His bro- our dad ends up saying, like, your brother is a hero. He's serving his country, and don't you ever forget that. Actually, no, I got that wrong. Um, yeah, it's something else first. Yeah, because uh... he asks him when he's leaving, and says, like, oh, you, you really love it there, don't you? And says, it's my job. And that's whenever the dad says, like, your brother's a hero. He's serving his country. Don't you ever forget that. And Maggie asks Sam if, you know, like, dad, will you be there for my birthday? And he's like, of course, you know I will, sweetie. And then Isabel mentions that, Sarah Miller's dad wasn't there for her birthday and that they had to bring cake to him in prison, which mom says that it's not just military families that go through a lot. And like, there's a lot of folks that are under pressure these days. And yeah. And then, uh, Tommy's like, yeah. And then the dad's like, what's that supposed to mean? 
It's like, what? It's like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> you can tell that there's like a lot of tension building up with this one because that's whenever the dad says, "They got problems in all walks of life. Every family has their own set of problems." They sure do. What's that supposed to mean? Just every family has their own set of problems. You sound like a damn parrot. Like a what? Why don't you try mimicking your brother for a change? And Sam says, Dad, this food is great, Elsie. Thank you. Compared to what? Other food. Hmm. Prison food? Like, he's so aggressive on him. He's literally done nothing. Yeah. In certain family dynamics that Americana, you do find dads like that that are really harsh on their sons, and even though they shouldn't be. Yeah, and it usually messes up the son. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... I mean, apparently, you, it were, apparently it messed this one up. He went to prison. Yeah, like, it's one of those, this is how you get, like, people to just be always defensive about stuff is when you constantly question everything they do. Yeah. yeah. And he did, like, it just caused a whole lot of tension. That causes Tommy to slam his fist down on the table because he's just getting tired of his dad's shit at that point in time, and Sam has to shut down the argument before it escalates at any. And... The dad an, just kind of gets up and leaves. Yeah, he just walks up and leaves, and... Whenever Elise uh, comes up to, you know, tell him, like, to try to comfort him and everything, he's just like, no, he has no regard for anyone else and doesn't even par- bother to apologize for anything. He just waltz in here like they're, like... Okay, he didn't... He's literally done nothing, basically, yeah. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more or less just showing a father who's pissed at his son for going to prison. That's I mean, he, much- he clearly has a favorite here, right? Yeah, he's he a military does. father himself. Yeah. One's in the Which, military, the other yeah. went to prison. Well, I get, we don't really know that yet, do we? We don't. We learn later. Yeah, we yeah. do learn le- that later, but it makes sense, like... I know I saw that dynamic a lot in some families growing up. I, I'm For pretty sure. sure Dry did too. Yeah. It's some dads who are just like, they clearly have a favorite and they're harsher on their other children because of that. Mm-hmm. And this is very much that kind of scene too. Then after that, uh, Sam sees out Tommy and tells him to stay out of trouble. Tommy tells him that, you know, be safe and come back, come back safe from Iraq. You know, that's kind of like their final goodbyes to each other Iraq, before Afghanistan. Yeah, before he goes. And then it cuts to a scene where Sam, he's like just struggling to take off his wedding ring that night and running it underwater, which I don't know if that would actually I help. Don't, I feel like that would make it harder because wouldn't that like... Yeah, that causes your fingers to swell up. Yeah. If you have like water and soap, it could be fine. Yeah. Like soap would actually... Like butter. Yeah. Just get some butter. Like soap and butter work as a lubricant to pull yeah, it off. But then yeah, you have just... to wash your hand after. You might as well just wash your hand during. <laughs> Maybe he did just put soap and then he just immediately started... Or yeah. butter and then he just immediately started washing his hands. <laughs> it's like, I don't... I get butter on it and then I feel dirty so I have to wash my hands. And then I wash my hands so there's no more butter on it so I have to put more butter on it. And now when the butter's on I feel like I'm dirty so I have to wash my hands. Yeah, then we're out of butter. I have to use margarine. No one likes margarine. <laughs> I don't even know why we buy that shit. <laughs> Finally gets off his wedding ring. He gets gives it to Grace and she puts it on as a necklace and he tells her not to lose it and to take a lot of pictures while he's gone. Like I always do. Yeah. And at the same time, you just kind of see Tommy sulking at the bar because he's just like what had a very, tension, or a very tension-filled dinner whenever he was just trying to, you know, get back to his life after prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, that... I've never been to prison, even though you guys think differently, but I'm sure that's actually hard to go back to, you know, living out in the real world. Well, like, I don't know. Was it hard, Robbie? <laughs> it was different. <laughs> well, like, the thing, like, you get out of prison, and then what do you do? Because, like, yeah, they basically what job's just... going to hire a prisoner? There are some, but not a price. lot. I mean, you're going to be working minimum wage for a real long time. Yeah. It's mostly things where you don't deal with customers. Mm-hmm. Like, it's weirdly enough yeah. jobs that I do, but, yeah. like, because I, I have worked with a fair amount of prisoners, or people who were ex-cons. Yeah. But so like 
but that's the main reason I like actually like working at my jobs is I don't have to deal with other people. Because it's full of prisoners like you. <laughs> you have a lot of stories. You, you walk- all the time we shank people. You know, fun times, fun times. You walked right into that one. You yeah, gotta I did. Admit. I did. <laughs> Just like, especially like a prisoner who's went to prison for theft, theoretically speaking. Yeah, right. Like, what, what's bank- he going to do? Yeah. A bank rob- robbery is a pretty big one, let's be yeah, fair. Like, I'm surprised the bar's letting him do it. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel I... like at that point, it's physical labor, right? So, like, that's kind of what he gets into. He gets yeah. into painting and stuff. Yeah, a lot of blue-collar jobs it is. It's some or a lot of times it's ex-cons but yeah. not always but it's just because c- you know it's something physical but you know there's also like the job service program like they have to do something after they get out like they have to prove that they're working yeah. so and they usually like you said it's painting it's machining welding something like that gardening yeah, yeah honestly yeah. Uh, later it's sam and grace are in bed and grace is you know telling him like you know just don't go like okay how about i go instead of you i'm like okay yeah <laughs> and he just kind of agrees with everything Give me all your money. Okay. <laughs> Narrator goes back to October 12th, 2007, back in Afghanistan with my men. Weird. It almost feels like home. And it kind of cuts back and forth between Sam in Afghanistan and Grace driving the kids to school. And, you know, he's recording a video on his flip phone yeah. and, you know, it's... Pulls out his Motorola Razor and, like, somehow gets pretty decent footage on what's essentially a uh, 144p camera. Yeah. You know, back in the '09s when you bust out your flip phone and it's like, man, I'm so glad I can record an ultra widescreen. Yeah. Too bad it's just slightly grainy, though. I really wish it. <laughs> really wish it had that cinema quality. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's back in Afghanistan recording, I guess, to send to his wife, probably. Probably. It's just something soldiers did is they would just like, you know, like record the cities that they're walking through and some of the stuff that they saw in between, you know, battles or whatever else that yeah. they were doing. After that, it does cut to Sam and uh, I'm guessing he's like just heading to base and they're in a helicopter. And a uh, little fun fact, Dry just recently got himself a 4K Blu-ray player. So he watched this movie upscaled and you can very, very t- much tell that this is like a CGI it helicopter. looked like a... 32-bit fucking helicopter. Yeah, like, I didn't realize how bad it was until I saw the upscaled version of it. It just did not cross my mind at all. And then I saw that, and it was just, oh, oh. (laughs) That is not where their money went. No. (laughs) You can tell it's 09. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Well, you can tell it's 09. You can tell that CGI definitely was not in the budget for this movie, but there are, like, some small CGI scenes in here. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like even just, like, the first Spider-Man had better-looking CG. To put it into context... Iron Man came out this year, right? Damn, Didn't it? The Iron Man was no two thousand eight. Iron Man came out two thousand eight. Yeah, so the year before this, even and that movie still looks fine. I wouldn't know. I fell asleep during that one. God damn it! <laughs> in theaters. God damn it! <laughs> well, uh, they're in the helicopter. They're sitting there. There's just some chit chat. Not really anything important. And then, like, basically an RB- RPG just hits the side of this helicopter. Kerblam! Yeah. And, like, chaos just ensues while everyone's, like, trying to, you know, get their bearings together inside of this plane that's crashing. One guy falls into a water. Yeah. It actually just show by just, like, fall into the river that they're passing over. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, there was a little delete scene that just didn't make it into the movie because they felt like it kind of took away from some of it. But, like, gee, he swings back up. He's like, I'm okay. <laughs> well, um, the guy who actually fell in the water is the guy you see later on in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and what it was is uh, Sam was the, well, um, that, once again, spoiler territory. But, yeah, like. He does come back with the person that fell in there. But, yeah, you just kind of see this helicopter crash. And it fades to white. And it goes to Grace just, like, 
sitting in the bathtub, taking a bath, and there's a knock at the door. Again, just that those baths. Yeah. Like, why do they? Comfort. <laughs> what, I, what, what comes to your mind when you think bath? Taking a bath. Nothing comes to mind? There's no, like, train of thought that your brain goes into? There's no, like, comfort mode or anything? This is quite warm. <laughs> I'm not sure it. you're human. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only reason I don't take baths is because I'm too large to actually take a bath. So, at least in a standard tub. They do, yeah, they make the big tubs for mm-hmm. big Excel tub. It's just like a jacuzzi, but a bathtub. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> called a jacuzzi. <laughs> I mean, they have baths water jets. There's a ring at the doorbell, and Isabella answers it first, and there's two Marines that are standing there. They ask if the mother is home. They're like, oh, why? Grace comes down in her, or in her bathrobe, and starting to realize, you know, like, why there are two Marines standing at her doorway, and you know, kind of chews away the daughters, and starts to cry and tells the Marines to come in. The oldest daughter is pretty smart because she also clearly understands what's happening yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, cause it's the youngest daughter is five in this movie and the oldest daughter is 10 in this movie. So the 10 years, oh, so like I feel like 10. 10 years old, you're starting to get the idea of the world around you. Oh, wait, so the, Maggie would be the 10 year old, not the five year old then. No, Maggie would be the five year old. Oh wait. Yeah. yeah shit. Maggie's a five year old. Isabella's the 10 year old later on that night. She's watching some movies with Sam and the girls, and she continuously calls Sam's phone so she can just hear his voice. And during this time, a truck pulls up, and it's Tommy, and like he just borrowed their truck for the night, and he's bringing it back, and he's like getting ready to leave the keys on the doorstep, which I feel like is kind of a dumb thing to do, but I guess... I was going to put it under the rug. And put it under the rug, but also, he's pretty drunk. Yeah, he is pretty drunk. I, I just saw it as him like just throwing it on the porch and like, okay. No, I don't think fine. he was going to put it under the rug. But yeah. Uh, it's a and- nice neighborhood. I mean, every now and then you'll get lucky. There was one time um, back whenever I was still living in a small town, I just, like, left my keys in the door because I was so tired that I just, like, put my keys in the door, unlocked it, and then, like, left the keys in the door. Like, someone could have stole my keys, stole my car, had the keys to my car in my house, and I would have been my fault. But just stay there all night. (laughs) Anyways, while he's, like, trying to leave the keys on the front door, like, that's when Grace opens up the door, and he starts apologizing. It's like, hey, sorry, Sam said I could borrow the truck whenever I wanted, and see that she's kind of upset while he's, like, trying to defend himself, like, saying, like, hey, like, it's cool, Sam said it's fine, so I just figured I'd borrow his truck for a little bit. I didn't mean to wake you up. Yeah, I didn't mean to wake you up or anything. Just, listen, I know that you're mad, like, you don't have to sit there and look at me with this pissed off look, and then she just tells him, like, Sam's dead. And it just kind of stops quickly. It's like, what? It's like, their helicopter crash, and she tries inviting him inside, and at this point, he's just pissed off at her, and he's like, I don't want to go inside. How come no, like, how come nobody called me? She's like, we tried calling you. Everybody tried calling you. She's like, we've all been, been trying to get a hold of you. And it's like, he's just pissed off at this point because, well, you know, they just told him his brother is dead. Yeah. And then he just, um. Which I kind of like that this movie actually is willing to not just have everyone grieving. Because I feel like in a lot of movies like this, it's just everyone grieves. No one else has any other reaction. Right. Know? Well, Honestly, anger in a sense is a way of grieving too. But. No, I mean, yeah, like that's what I mean. Like it's always like I'm sad and then everyone is that exact thing even though I, p- humans like grieve in different, different ways. ways. Yeah. So I'm glad they actually were like, yeah, he could be angry because he just feels like he was just left out. Yeah. But yeah, and at that point he just is like, well, what? Like how come you let him go? And she's just like, like it doesn't work that way. And he's like, huh? What now, huh? And then, like, just throws the keys at her and walks off in anger. And then, after that, it cuts to 
him sitting on his parents' porch. And Elise comes out, and she sits down right next to Tommy. And she starts to give me a little bit of a side hug to try to comfort him. And this is the only scene where they actually talk about it, about why he calls her Elise and not mom, is because she's a stepmom. And he's like, well, he's up in heaven with your mom now. See, this was really, this really confused me. Because I, like, again, they don't really talk about how it's the stepmom. So I was like, wait, whose parents are whose? Like, I thought, I kept going back for, like, are these uh, Sam's parents? Are these, uh, what's her name? Carol? Grace. Grace. It's like, are these Sam's parents? Are these Grace's parents? Like, I kept, like, going back and forth because it kept, like, talking about the parents being dead and stuff. Like, a later scene does a similar thing, too. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah, and we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, like it is basically it's a really quick scene to show like their mom died at some point in time that it doesn't really go on further than that. But like, I feel like that's a really unnecessary connection because it doesn't but, spend any time with it. No, it doesn't. But no. it just kind of shows like why she's a stepmom and not the real mom kind of. Yeah. Thing. Well, like, why and do then... you need to? Well, one, the movie does even again, like it's like a throwaway line. You could go through this movie with it being the real mom the entire time and, and not literally having, nothing changes. She, right. she looks like the mother anyways. Like it's not like right. she looks completely different. Yeah. It's just, it's just a weird thing. I don't yeah. know why it's in there. I feel like maybe it's he, like a, a save over uh, from the, the original. It might be maybe. like, I, I feel like at that point, just don't even like bring up the mom that much after just like, it yeah. could be the stepmom still. I just don't like, it's how it's brought up is weird. Yeah. It's odd. I mean, to be fair, that's the only other time that you probably end up bringing up a dead mom. But yeah, so then the father's there just kind of drinking, and he offers uh, Tommy a drink, and Tommy says no, and is like, whoa, this guy who's been shown in one scene drinking a lot. <laughs> Didn't well, take a drink. But, like, I know it's like that's his, his character's supposed to be, he's like a drunkard, but even then, feels kind of like... Okay. I feel like you weren't given enough build up to it to make it matter. Yeah, it just kind of like I think it, it just kind of shows a different way of grieving, in my opinion. Because like oh, you yeah. said, like you know, she's dealing with it by you know doing the thing of just calling his cell phone over and over again, so she can hear his voice. Tom, Tommy, just kind of gets angry about the whole situation. The dad just gets drunk as a way of grief or as a process of grieving for his now dead son. It's also like this movie does a lot of just like not bringing up a thing enough. Yeah, sometimes. And I like this isn't like a detriment to the movie. Like I'm not like, oh, this scene wasn't <laughs> established well enough. That's why it's a zero out of seven. And it's like it doesn't matter. Ultimately, it's just one of those like weird things this movie does. It's a lot of throwaway lines. Part of the character building, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, you could. Yeah, that's fair. Like I don't know. With how it goes in the next scene, it just kind of like feels like there's this weird dip in the character arc regarding that, and then it. It's whatever. Like I, it's not that important again. So um, it then cuts to a while, I guess, because they're all all the daughters are getting ready and have to wear black. And then yeah, they're getting ready for the funeral. Yeah, which I guess the first thing it shows before this too is it kind of shows the town being silent and it shows the flag being at half mass. Right. The, yeah. Because grieving. That's how yeah. they not grieving. Uh. That's just what you do when a yeah, the town's kind of paying yeah. respects to a fallen soldier. Yeah, so they do that, and the daughter's getting ready, and uh, Grace is like, "Come on, we gotta get ready." And then uh, the old, the eldest, um, Isabel, uh, Isabella, Isabel, Isabel, literally 
cannot tell you their names at all. Okay. Isabel and Maggie. I'll just call them the oldest and Maggie, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so the oldest is like not in her dress, and the mom's like, oh, what are you doing? She's like, I don't want to wear it. And then Maggie's like, I don't want to wear it either. I'm itchy. And the mom's it's just kind of, this is one of the somber moments that I think the movie does do well, where it's just kind of them sitting, and the mom's just like thinking like, does it actually matter if they wear the dresses or not? Yeah, like, is and, it actually important? Yeah, and then it the next scene, they're just in blue. <laughs> and it no one cares. Because they're kids? Yeah. Even that, it's like, again, like, people grieve in different ways. Like, if they don't want to wear the black, they don't have to wear the black, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, Other people are wearing like red and stuff in that. Well, well maybe that's just because they're extras, but. <laughs> well, during that scene, like, uh, you know, it shows Grace wearing black and then the two girls are wearing just, you know, regular street clothes. And most of the people that are on that side are actually wearing uh, Marine uniforms. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's what they would wear for certain occasions. Like, you know, they're going to a wedding, they're going to a funeral, they're going to something big. They'd wear that to, you know, re- represent the Marine Corps. And the only one who's not, our only male who's not wearing one of those is Tommy, which it looks like he's wearing probably what he wore to court, honestly. Maybe. Like, that's what yeah. it looks like to me, which that might just show, like, that's the only thing that he has that's actually formal for an occasion like this. I can see It's that. like my idea of formal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But yeah, so, but yeah, like, there's just some woman just wearing red, and I don't think it's the stepmom or anything, it's just a woman wearing red. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, but they're all kind of singing the hymns, and also this is the first time where it is established. Oh, okay, the father was a military dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you out. It cuts to them outside after they're done singing hymns, and the dad is there in his military uniform. Everyone's going up and giving their condolences, and then the guy that Sam gave the letter to at the beginning of the movie, like, "Hey, if I don't come back, give this to my wife." He is there, and he like. Gives his condolences to the dad, goes up, gives the condolences to everybody, and gives a letter to the wife saying that, uh... He didn't want to have to... And he never wanted me to give this to you. Yeah. And her saying, like, I don't believe it. Like, I, I don't feel like he's dead. How come I can't feel it? Like, I- I'm-, I'm supposed to feel something, right? I don't feel anything. Why can't I feel it? And he's like, uh, sometimes it takes time. It's It's something that it's hard to even... Realizes happened. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm glad the movie does too, because I think that's a dangerous trap some people get into too, thinking like, oh, this person's like a sociopath because in this moment they're not feeling anything. And sometimes that's just kind of like the shock of everything kind of yeah, keeps up with you. Yeah, yeah sometimes I mean, the shock of it, like it just feels like, okay, like this didn't happen. This is something I saw in a movie. This isn't real. Yeah, like and especially in a, this scenario, like being a single parent, you can totally understand like, she can't just stop and grieve. Like, she still has two kids to take care of. Like, right. she can't just stop being a human and feel everything because she has to make sure that these two other human beings are going to be okay. Which, in an earlier scene, it did really quickly establish, but, like, it was, once again, a really quick, almost throwaway line is uh, you end up finding out that Grace's parents are also dead because that's yeah. what Maggie says. Yeah. It's like, so is Dad really dead like your parents? She's like, yeah, yeah, that's he is. A, it's a weird line. Yeah. Like, it does not feel like a five-year-old would ask that it feels really forced yeah i don't know you know five-year-old so maybe but like it feels like the director was like hey can you say this and she's like okay yeah like hey can you bring up that her parents are dead like that's how the kid did it it's fair it's it's a not great delivery i mean also to be fair though a five-year-old doesn't have a very good grip on what death really is either right but like i don't know it feels like a weird way to say it 
is more of the thing. Like when you're five, usually say like, is he with your parents or something now? Like saying, is he dead? Like your parents, which is basically what she said is just kind of weird and does not sound like a five-year-old in my opinion. It's another one of those throwaway things that I think just could have been cut out. And the movie would have been exactly the same. Yeah. Like I think the biggest, there's two big problems this movie has. It is Tobey Maguire <laughs> and the script. I think the script really did need another draft to tighten it up a little more. To be fair, there's actually a fair amount of things, like I said, like I said with the kids, they just kind of improvised with it. Yeah. Yeah. So that might have been like, like, I don't know, I don't think that would be an improvised line that a five-year-old would say. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I would hope. But, uh, or at least hope not. Yeah, back to the funeral. Uh, after yeah. getting all the condolences, the father then pulls out a flask and starts drinking. Yeah, he's just kind of sneaking little shots at a flask while yeah. everyone's like paying their respects to him. Yeah, except Tommy notices this. Yeah, so they're getting ready to like, go home and drive away, and then Tommy confronts his dad. Why don't you let me drive? What are you talking about? Come on, girls. Hey, hey, why don't you give me the keys, Dad? What? What makes you responsible all of a sudden? Let Tommy drive. Let Tommy drive. Look, I'll tell you what. Why don't you get a job and earn some money and buy yourself a car, and then you can drive it wherever the hell you want. Give me the keys. Did you hear those Marines in there today? Talking about your brother? Did you? Who's going to stand up and testify for you once you're dead? Yeah, it's my fault Sam's dead, right? That's what you think? Got nothing to do with you, right? What are you saying to me, Hank? Forget it. You never had any guts. Oh, and you did? That's why you screamed at Mom every fucking night. That's why you drove us drunk, huh? Hang in there, Marines. Don't. Come on. That's why you put all that shit in his head. You can never fill his shoes. I know that. Never could make me proud. For the Lord's sake. That is a sin. Stop it. Give me the key. Here you go. I'm walking. And later on that night, Grace is looking at the letter, wondering if she should open it, and ends up putting it away unopened, as if she just can't bring herself to read the, basically the final words of her husband. Actually, I want to go back. So, I think that scene's actually really interesting, because it actually lets the father be painted in a negative light, which I think a lot of these movies wouldn't do. I think for most of it, he's kind of painted in a negative light, honestly. Right, yeah. but like this is like the big, like, he's not actually that good of a person. Like, yeah, he's kind of shitty. Yeah. yeah. Just aired out a lot of family dirt in that scene. I guess it's because, like, how high of a pedestal military is often put on, especially in, like, movies. Yeah, that's true. So, just, like, it letting him be a shit person is, like, not even just a person. Like, he's allowed to not actually be that good. I think person. that shows... I think that goes deeper into, like, the anti, anti-war, maybe not anti-war, anti-military, one of those, anti-war, anti-military um, message that the movie is trying to put in. Like, later in the movie, he talks about, like, how he was fucked up for more, and then we see what happens to Sam later. So, like, But anyways, it actually cuts to a group walking in a desert with AK-47s in hand, and you see them, oh, the shadows of them walking. And then you actually see Sam and another soldier being uh, being taken prisoner. And they're eventually walked to a valley where there's scorched trees all around them. And they're put under or underground to the, like, this bunker. And they're sealed away wherever they actually, you know, put two by fours on the, I guess not two by fours. They put some planks on the, on top of the opening. And they start nailing it shut to like, you know, make, making sure that they're not going to get out in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Which, um, I guess what I was going to say is like a nice little fun fact. The guy that actually like fell out of the helicopter into the water, that was actually the other guy. And 
there was supposed to be a scene before this where um where Sam actually you know being the only survivor of the of the helicopter crash jumped in the water and saved him from drowning, but they ended up cutting that scene for progression reasons. I, I feel like it's it. not really a needed. Yeah, it, scene. it didn't really need yeah. to be because like they actually even say it for that or later on in the movie that he saved him from the water, so yeah. it's not really needed, but. It's just, you know, showing that they're the two sole survivors of this yeah. plane crash, and now they're prisoners of war. Like, that's that's a more, like, thing that works better as an offhand comment, I think, than on yeah. a lot of the offhand comments in this movie. And it yeah, would think... have been, like, a weird tonal shift. Because yeah. uh, this movie isn't a war movie. Yeah. So, like, having that, like, big rescue thing in the middle of it would have been really weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I, they probably wanted to set that up for a scene later, which I won't say yet. Right. But, like, that feels kind of... I'll say it. No, I'll forget to say it, but that feels kind of like manipulative if they kept that and then the scene later. Uh, you'll probably know what we're talking, what I'm talking about yeah. when we get to it. Yeah, but. we'll get there. Uh, so they're but, being locked up. Yeah. Guards start going through all their things, start pulling up pictures of their family, which earlier, which it, it's like a really quick thing. I actually missed the first couple times I watched this movie, but like. Uh, the families do know each other because, like, it actually shows mm-hmm. uh, whenever Grace at the school, like the very beginning of the movie, that she actually says hi to this soldier's father and says, "Like, hey, how's Joe Junior?" Which you don't find out until like way later on that this is this guy's wife and daughter, yeah, or son. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but they start pulling out the family pictures, and it's like, it's like, is that your kid? It's like, yeah, that's my son. It's Joe Junior. It's like, is that your wife? Yeah, that's Cassie. No, they're not. You don't know anything. You don't have a family. All you know is that it's Private Willis and Captain Cahill. You know nothing else because it's one of those, like, you know, whenever they got caught for war, or whenever they got caught as prisoners of war, like, they usually tortured them and then got them to do what they wanted and then killed them. So a lot of Marines around that time, they were basically told, like, you know, don't give them anything because that's how you're going to survive this situation. Yeah. It cuts back to Grace getting a call while she's ironing clothes, and it's Tommy who's at a bar. And someone's watching him make this call. He said, apparently he had a few drinks. Apparently they're the most expensive drinks in the world. And he now owes them $47. And he was going to walk out, but they told him that if they did, they would hit him with a disorderly conduct and he would lose his parole. Yeah. He's and like, I know it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. She's like, eh, it's 3, actually. But she's <laughs> just ironing at 3 in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whenever you can fit it in, I guess, right? Yeah. I, don't, I feel like there's better times to iron. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you're grieving and you're not sleeping well, I guess like that might as well just iron clothes. I have nothing else to do at three in the morning. Ironing is one of the things I think you should probably not do if you can't sleep because you're probably tired. And that's not something I think you should be handling when you're tired. I disagree. I actually think you should do as many things as possible with very hot (laughs) items. Yeah. I think that's the perfect time to build a fire, (laughs) learn how to sew with a sewing machine. Curl your hair. Yeah. You do all these dangerous things when you're tired. You can do it when you're awake. (laughs) That's a fact. Yeah, totally makes sense. That's a last ones in fact. (laughs) You're not allowed to sue us. (laughs) (laughs) That's the contract you get from, that's the contract you signed by listening. (laughs) Anyways, Grace ends up going to the bar to pick up a Tommy who's very drunk and Keeps on like just touching the bartender's nose and keeps on telling him to fuck off. And fun fact about this, this entire scene was improvised. Like there's no scripted part for this scene. All they just did all of this as they were. So like I've, Jake yeah, Gyllenhaal going like, let me touch your nose. That was just him being Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, he's a fucking weird dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this I feel like you can't script the shit that happened <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. But uh it keeps on saying that, you know, wants to touch his nose. 
she pays the bartender fifty dollars and it's like hey is this be enough to pay for it's like yeah it's, it'll be enough but i don't want i don't want the money i just want him out of my bar basically but he still and, took the money yeah he still yeah. took the money because the guy owed him money but then <laughs> yeah. she ends up uh, yelling at him that i have two girls are outside at three o'clock in the morning oh, and you think you're being funny get in the car which i don't know why she took them yeah i feel like they're old enough to be able to sleep through the <laughs> night while yeah. she's gone for 30 minutes yeah I think it might just be like that paranoid parent thing too. And this is a woman who just watched, lost her husband too. So maybe she's being extra careful about guarding him. I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe I'm like, I was in a household where we just kind of were allowed to be alone. Well, to be fair, my mom worked 24 hour shifts. So yeah. It's uh-huh. kind of more. It's a little different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, like, I don't know. My parents would leave us for like a week alone. Like whenever I was 10, my mom would like, you know, go to work. My sister would go off and do whatever the hell she was doing around that time. And, They'd leave me at, ha- or at home alone because by the time I was 10, I could, you know, care for myself enough to not yeah. kill myself or burn like, down the house. It's like you can make cereal. You can make eggs. That's all you like. Grilled cheese, quesadilla. What else yeah. do you need? Yeah, like. I, I just need two cheese-based foods. <laughs> <laughs> Mac and cheese. Uh, <laughs> cheese and crackers. <laughs> it cuts to, you know, Grace and Tommy, like, bringing the girls back inside the house. And then it goes to tommy sleeping on the couch and he just hears clink 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 while he's trying to sleep and he looks and maggie is just kind of standing in front of him making pancake or like stirring pancake batter and if you notice like she's just covered in pancake batter it's all in her hair and on her face and like her hair is just in the bowl (laughs) where the where she's making this so it's just like pancakes full of children hair uh do not let your children unadvised pancake (laughs) <laughs> that's a good that's actually that's some good advice yeah, yeah there, there's another quote you can quote me on that one too <laughs> <laughs> but anyways while she's whisking this uh, like guy went to bed at three something in the morning and now he's waking up early in the morning to a child just making pancakes right in front of him probably so he's like hangover. stop yeah probably hung over as hell too but just like telling her to stop and she's like no you're not the boss of me this isn't your house like we're keep doing, like we're <laughs> making pancakes for mom like, can you just stop whisking then? No. Would you like it if I whisked in your face? And she just, like, stares at him and keeps whisking. Like, okay, fine. He gets up, he's like, okay, come with me. And they go over to the kitchen, and you get another view of this horrible fucking kitchen. Yeah. yeah. And this is, like, where it comes full on what's the biggest sin of this kitchen. There's just an oven in the middle with, like, no counters around it. It's just, like, an oven there. Middle of the floor, just mm-hmm. a fucking standing oven. But then Tommy goes to the fridge and he drinks the milk out of the carton like a fucking cretin. <laughs> and the kid's like, ew, don't drink it out of the carton. That's gross. Like, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> also, he, she has, he, he straight up tells her, shut up. You're gross. This isn't even his, like, house, though. Like, yeah. if it was his house, I wouldn't give a shit. But, like, this is someone else's house that he yeah. did this for. I mean, to be fair, like, I drink straight out of the carton. But that's in I your live, house, yeah. right? Yeah, but at my house. I would never do yeah. that here. At your house, yeah, right? at my house. <laughs> yes. like I never did that here. I always got a cup whenever <laughs> yeah. I was drinking something here. The no, only time not... I drank straight out of the carton here is when I was finishing something off. Yeah. <laughs> like, my thing is, I don't give a shit if you drink out of the carton if it's your milk. Yeah. And yeah, but... it's the thing, like, no one else is drinking that milk, so I'll drink out of the carton and save yeah, a glass like... if I want to. But, like, if you're at someone else's house, you don't just, like, drink straight out of the carton. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> but I think it was one of those he's probably hungover and dehydrated and didn't want to bother to grab a cup kind of thing. This house has, like, 80 cups, too. Yeah. it's a lot of cups. Like, they have, like, two cu- cabinets of cups. For four people. They put the cup in cupboard. Hey. Hey. 
they're sitting there and like they're saying like oh yeah like we're trying to uh, cheer up our mom by making pancakes because her yeah. dad is dead he knows he's his brother really and, like just Again, being, like yeah there's no subtlety in the children in this movie <laughs> i i think you're right i think they did literally just tell him you have to bring up these things yeah and they just brought him up <laughs> yeah and then the the mom comes yeah, down, she... and it's like, no, you were supposed to be surprised. We were gonna go up there. She's like, I am surprised. This is amazing. Wow, this definitely isn't a giant mess. I'm gonna have to clean up later. <laughs> <laughs> and then the dad gets there. Yeah, like they hear a knock at the door, and it's a grandpa. Grace opens the door, lets him in. The girls and the Grace kind of leave the scene for yeah. Tommy and Hank to have the scene together. And it seems like he just like brought them groceries because he just has a paper bag with him he just like yeah. opens up the fridge and starts putting I, them all in there and that's kind of mm-hmm. nice i don't know what else you would do with like a grieving person like yeah it, it's stuff it's like that like, get him some groceries because yeah. yeah. they're probably not gonna want to leave right now yeah that's what it is he's just being helpful kind of thing and like there's like this little artificial conversation of just like oh like making pancakes yeah there's one on the floor right there if you want it and it's so like it's agonizingly slow and I'll like slowly pick it up and then Go over and then put it on the counter. It's really like <laughs> it's one of the really slow parts of the movie. Yeah. I'm like, why is it so? I think part of the reason why this is slow is like this is a father and son who just got done like bickering and arguing with each other the day before, and they're trying to like you know make everything okay because like after this little short artificial conversation, like Hank tries to apologize to Tommy for what he said. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's fine. Get, well, yeah, it's my fine, thing is work. like he's like. Yeah, I guess I should have cooled down, but I I definitely was still okay with driving. And it's like, like yeah, on. yeah, I know it's fine, whatever. Well, yeah. just like, I don't know, there's like weird because it's a thing people in general do where like they get defensive and it really backhands the, the yeah, w- which is why he just kind of brushes off. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know it's fine. Don't worry yeah. about it, kind of thing. You can tell this is a conversation he's had a million times. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, there is that kind of awkward silence, and Tommy tells him like. That he knew that Sam was always smarter than him. And Hank says, he's like, I don't know if he was smarter than you. He was a damn good athlete, though. And starts to talk about a, a some football, football game. game that he had whenever he was in high school. You know, just having memories of their brother together. And that's whenever Hank just kind of sits down. And I think for the first time starts to break down a little bit over the death of his son. And well, not after insulting <laughs> Tommy again. Where he's like, well, yeah, he you tells- know, the difference between you and him is you gave up. Yeah, like, you gave up. The thing about Sam is there isn't an ounce of quit in that boy. Like, yeah, cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, kitchen sucks. Well, yeah, he starts to break down, and that's whenever Tommy says, like, you know, I'd cut my own throat to bring him back. You know that, right? And his dad just kind of, like, throwing uh, kind of throwing the grief out of the window, just like, I don't know how Grace deals with this kitchen. Like, you know, just trying to change his subject from something, you know, more cheery. So he just starts talking about how shitty her kitchen is again. A very light-hearted subject, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> does it go back to Afghanistan after It does. This? Okay. It's Sam looking out from captivity and seeing helicopters flying overhead, and they start to say, like, you know, oh, we think they're looking for us out there? Like, even though, like, they've been announced dead at this point in time, but they don't yeah. know that. And uh, at the, this is the point where they uh, they decide, like, they need to try to do something, and that's whenever they, like, just pick up a rock and try, like, forcing open the planks that are there. And then you just see, like, a gun Yeah, barrel. you just see a barrel of a gun just, like, point straight at them. And, like, it's very Looney Tunes-esque. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's very quick. And he's, then, like, there's that scene where, uh, you know, well, they don't say his name yet, but his name's Joe. But Joe looks at Sam and it's like, should we try again? Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, after that, you just see them, like, just throwing giant rocks and logs on top of it so they can't try to escape again. Like, okay, well, yeah. forget that plan. Yep. 
And then after that, it goes back to the family because it just cuts back and forth between Afghanistan and uh, them. Yeah, and uh, the mom's back. I yeah, think she's she went to home. drop off the daughters at school or something, probably. Because I don't think the daughters are there. It doesn't say. She's just coming home from yeah. somewhere. And there's a there's a truck there. It's like old contractor's van, if you will, in her driveway. Yeah. She's like, that sure isn't mine. And she goes in. Oh man, they're tearing apart the kitchen. Like, what is going on here? Like, oh, I just thought we would surprise you with something yeah. here. He's like, you gotta let me know about this stuff, dude. Yeah. And she, and I, it's one I'm those 100% things. in her camp, you don't do something yeah, you like that. You can't just do this. Apparently, there's actually another scene that was actually improvised from them, because I guess in the original scene, or the original script, she was supposed to be happy that they're working on her busted kitchen, but I guess mm, she, that, she straight up, time. she yeah, she straight up looked at the director and said, why would I be happy about that? And they yeah. <laughs> improvised around that to make the scene, which is a lot more realistic, because it's just like, you're tearing apart my kitchen, what the fuck? You, you, need, yeah, to let, like, you need to let me know when you're going to do something like this. Again, this is like, a couple weeks at most after her husband died and then like yeah. a lot of people don't like change after something like that for a while yeah. so yeah I don't know why they would write her so happy unless they've never met a human being I think they may not have met a human being before actually. I think what it is is he the way that he talked about it is uh, Jim Sheridan the man who directed this movie is from Ireland and he says that like a lot of a lot of banter and things that go back and forth between Irishmen and uh, and Americans are very different. Like he was saying that uh, he didn't think much of that uh, scene earlier, wherever Hank and Tommy were arguing with each other after the ar- or after the funeral. And he says he didn't think much of it, but he says, I-, I guess the thing about Americans is whenever they say something to each other, they mean it a lot more often than Irishmen do. Yeah. So like <laughs> Irishmen just tell each other to fuck off all the time and that they're pieces of shit. Yeah, and like, no one thinks twice about it. <laughs> American says that they fucking mean it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and they tell you that they don't want to deal with you anymore. They twat because no one actually says yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, after that, she goes back to the kitchen. She asks them if they want a coffee. And like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, I want to mind a beer, though. Oh, can I get a beer, too? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like she wouldn't have beers. <laughs> you never she know. She drinks beer. I guess she does, yeah. Never mind. Never she has, she's an alcoholic now. She has all the beers. <laughs> <laughs> but then after this, is uh, Joe is uh, kind of just pacing back and forth inside the prison cell. And it's like... Starts mocking what Sam told him. Or like, don't tell them anything, Private. Don't tell them anything. It's like, they're not asking us anything. It's been two months. They're just slowly starving us now. Yeah, and again, this is like, wait, what do you mean it's been two months? Yeah, it like just happened. What do you mean two months? It feels... It feels like it happening sooner. A couple kinda. days ago. Yeah, yeah, especially like... The only way a... that you can tell that time has passed at this point is that they're both starting to grow a beard at this point. Yeah, it's very yeah. dumb. Yeah, I don't like how they do it... the time passage in this. Well, it, well, I'll, I'll get to it in a bit. So yeah, it's that, and they're like, they don't tell us shit, and it's like and they don't tell they us anything. They don't ask us anything. They're just starving us, is what he says. And I think there's more helicopters, right? No, uh, no. Hmm. Uh, at this yet. point, he just tells him that he's. Uh, this is the only point wherever you find out that he actually saved him, because he says like, "Why did you even save me? Or save me? Or to begin with, you should just let me drown. Drown, we'd be better off dead." And that's when he tries calming him down. And then um, it was either at this point or, like, later on that day, they see two men that are arguing outside of their prison. They're just kind of, like, looking out because they can only just see sections of what's happening out or mm-hmm. outside. And they see them arguing, but they, you can't tell what they're saying because they're speaking in a different language. And then there's an, an exchange of money between them, and they start letting him outside of the prison. That's when Sam reminds him, like, don't say anything. And then he's, he keeps on uh, saying, like, they're going to kill us? Not another word, private. They're going to cut our heads off? Shut up! And, like, just... Keeps on telling him, like, don't say anything, and he just keeps talking. 
but at that point shows him being transported to another camp and um i guess fun fact about this scene too is the entire movie was actually shot in new mexico like both the <laughs> afghanistan scenes and the scenes at home everything was just in new mexico this just happened in a uh, new mexican desert and uh the reason why they're all covered up the, the way that they are in what's supposed to be like a hundred degree um desert is because it's, it's the new in, mexico yeah desert. this is like november 2008 of in, in new mexico and they said that like at some points in time it got down to like negative 10 negative 20 degrees in the morning Jeez. which once again he's the director's irish i don't know if that was celsius or fahrenheit but that's still cold which is why you could see their breath during all these scenes and why they're all covered up and like kind of shivering during all of this <laughs> yeah so they're transported to the a new location which is very dangerous as always, regarding any hostage situation. Oh, yeah, never go and, to a second location. Yep. And this is, like, their fourth at this point, I think. Yeah, something like that. And what's even worse is, like, there's a guy that's just videotaping him the entire time while yeah, they're there. Yeah, there's a guy who has glasses, and that's how you know it means business. Yeah, he has glasses. He's serious. Like, that's the most defining part about it, is he yeah, has glasses, it. and apparently he's the big man. Yeah, but, like, that, I know they're supposed to be threatening, but I wasn't. I didn't feel threatened. I, actually, there's this thing in the early part of the movie that I think describes this really well is like when they're talking about like how he's gonna get sent out, and it's like he only shoots the bad guys. How do you know they're bad guys? They have beards. That's basically the big defining thing about them is they have actually, beards. Yeah, that yeah. is kind of the thing that makes them the bad guys. <laughs> and it's like it's weird because it, the movie kind of downplays that comment. Like, oh yeah, that's kind of silly because that's how like some weird Americans think. Yeah. But then the movie kind of does it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, actually. Because they're not that scary. The The scariest part is they have AKs. Right, which is scary. Well, but. yes, but like... Or is that some of them have machetes, too, but... I feel like an AK is significantly more scary than a machete. I would agree with that. Yeah. But, like, they just never feel like threatening villains is all. No. But, uh, so they're transported, and then, uh, this guy is like put down on his knees and they have like a translator basically telling the americans yeah, what's up translators telling him what's happening he's saying that this man used a satellite phone to call his pregnant wife and he jeopardized their location and are uh, and jeopardized their mission and the he starts begging like, for his life saying that like i'm of your blood like please uh, that's my nephew yeah, he's my nephew and like he's related to you in some ways so, like he, like i'm part of your family like don't kill me kind of thing and um saying that they're the same blood and after this discussion, the guy t- says something to him, and the man looks up at Sam, and he says, you're welcome, and then gets shot in the head. So, I don't yes. know if that meant to, or that was meant to be, like, it seems kind of weird that he just says, you're welcome. Like, I don't know if that's meant to be, like, maybe he was a double agent, maybe, like, he was trying to help them in some way, shape, or form. You, you I don't, don't even know. think the movie knows. Yeah, I have no I'm not idea. Gonna but yeah, like, he straight up tells him, you're welcome, and then is shot in the head. I even like, catch that. either that or, like, they're going to kill somebody that day, and apparently it was him over them kind of thing maybe it was that i don't know maybe don't know. it's so weird this movie's weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, to be yeah. fair though like this all is very much like and i feel like it was purposefully done that this is very much a side story to the bigger story that we're seeing with tommy and grace yeah i guess yeah um but i think there's a little bit more here just of them recording like the faces and yeah, stuff after and this it... uh he looks at uh sam sam and joe and the translator uh transcribes sam saying that he will tell like that they're going to record them and he's going to going to say into the they're going to say into the camera this is our country that the american forces should not be there they will tell us to america you will say it or i will force you to say it 
There's a small stare-off between Sam and the translator before they're sent to their new cell, which is basically just, like, a cave. Just some yeah. small cave with the opening on top. Very less, like, secured than the old one. Okay. I mean, there's only one entrance and exit to there, so... But... Yeah, but, like... The, it, it is less secure than where cave. they were before, yeah. And I think this, like, the fact that they were saying earlier that their, um, that their location was jeopardized, this was just kind of, like, like, fuck it, this place will work, throw them in there. Fair yeah. enough. But uh, then it cuts back, and they're still building the kitchen. And this part feels weird, because, like, the two months is between them starting and then this part. And I I don't think that's how long it takes to build a kitchen. And maybe, like, the two months is before they start building the kitchen. But time is so weird in this movie. The feeling I get with them building the kitchen is that they're very much doing this on their own dime after hours. Yeah. So, like, they're dating, like, two hours in a night to do this. That's very bad then, because then they just don't have a kitchen for like two months. Yeah, and that's even more shitty with, <laughs> with Tommy. Like I don't know, like at the pace they were going in the first part, I, f- I just feel like they wouldn't be this. I mean, in slow. that first, yeah, that first part they were just like taking, they were just cleaning up and like taking some stuff out of the kitchen and moving things around so that way they can get to the walls. Yeah, but it was like half done already. I don't know if it was half done. I wouldn't say half done at all. No. They I don't even, even say quarter done. They hadn't gotten to like building anything. No, I mean, yeah, they, had, like, they hadn't built tearing anything. Down like, the walls and stuff. No, they hadn't tear- torn off any of the countertops or anything. They had, were just taking stuff off of the countertops. They were just like taking stuff out of her kitchen and like getting ready to paint. That's all they were doing in that first scene. And then this scene is like whenever they're getting more done in a sense. But it is very weird, like the flow of time in this movie, yeah, just to show know. like stuff yeah. that's happening. I feel like just the split and then saying "Hey, two months" and then cutting back doesn't work. Yeah, I agree with that. But, but yeah, they so. go downstairs, and Grace ends up seeing Maggie helping Tommy paint in the kitchen, and Isabel is on Sweeney's shoulders, which Tommy did introduce the guys earlier. His The people who were helping him was AJ, Owen, and Sweeney, and he's like, I, I don't know your first names. Like, yeah, there's a reason for that, so everyone just calls him Sweeney, because he doesn't want people to know his first name. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> really? E? <laughs> I know. What a surprise. I know. Shocking. Anyways, uh, Isabel is on Sweeney's shoulders and painting, and Sweeney is telling stories about Sam in high school while the girls are helping them paint everything. Grace just looks and goes, "Oh, Isabel, you're so tall," and kind of laughs. And like Tommy's like, "Oh, like you know, they don't need to go like do their homework or something, do they?" He's like, "No, no, it, it's fine. It's something that they needed. They can have fun. Yeah, they can have fun for a while." And Maggie goes to coat her roller and accidentally drops it, the paint on top of Owen, who gets all pissed off, like, rightfully, because all of his clothes just got completely soaked in paint. And he's just like, these are brand new pants, which I've actually had this conversation in but some like, places. don't take yeah, brand why new did pants he, to go Yeah, paint. like, you're a painter. Wear paint clothes. What yeah, are you exactly. doing? <laughs> but, yeah, I've had this conversation with people I've worked with in the past because, like, I work some blue-collar jobs where you get really dirty, and I, it's happened a handful of times, like, oh, this is a brand new shirt. Like, oh, oh, these are brand new pants. Like, why are you wearing them to work? You knew you were going to get dirty working here. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is your first day in life? <laughs> <laughs> were you born yesterday? Yeah. And they're like, ooh, gaga. Oh, you're a baby. Sorry. Yeah. I, <laughs> and that's the funny part about this, too, is, like, after she drops the paint, Maggie, like, goes back and, like, pretends like she's painting like nothing yeah. happened. Yes. <laughs> Very five-year-old thing yeah. to do. And then, like, says sorry and, like, like, hey, like, you know, it's fine, it's fine. And Grace says she's going to go ahead and get him some clothes that he can wear. And he's like, well, can I use your bathroom real quick? No, no, I don't want you dragging paint throughout the house. Just stay right there. And like, all the guys, they just start to be 
just start making fun of him a little bit. Like, oh, you know, it's not that bad. Just a little bit of spot. Like, yeah, you can hardly yeah. see it. Yeah, I can barely see it. Mostly it hit the floor. He's like, you know what? You're fine. You're right. Uh, bring it in, guys. Get like, hugs in yeah, here. Yeah, let's hug it out. <laughs> Which, honestly, that's what I would say. Like, usually whenever someone throws something on top of me, it's usually my first reaction is like, give me a hug. <laughs> Start but chasing him around. Something I like. So there's a funny, like, blinking you miss it joke here. So what happens is he goes to hug Tommy, and Tommy's like, no, and he grabs uh, Maggie, Maggie to get out the way. And you see him, like, start trying to hug the other guys, and the guy who has Isabel on his shoulder <laughs> puts her in front of him. She's <laughs> using little girls as yeah. human shields like, from this paint monster. Like, really quick, too. <laughs> and it's, I think it's one of the best jokes in the movie. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, this it's a nice little heartwarming scene right here. After that, Grace goes upstairs and she like starts grabbing some clothes that he could get, and then like just starts ripping all of Sam's clothes out of the closet. Just realizing she can't really stand the sight of him anymore. Yeah, and like just grabs this huge bunch of clothes, goes back downstairs, and Owen is just kind of like sitting there in his underwear, and like, oh, you must work out, man. What gym do you go to? <laughs> just where'd you get those I, underwear? They yeah. fit so perfectly. And I think the kids are out of the room at yeah. this point yeah, they're out of but room at this if, point. yeah okay i was gonna say it's a really it would be really weird if they weren't yeah <laughs> and then they all could give the kids a bath <laughs> oh god but uh yeah so grace brings all those clothes down and she's like here you go and he's like i i just need a shirt and some pants and she's like eh, and she starts crying she's like no just take all of them all. yeah and he keeps on like saying like oh you know I, I think this and this will fit like i don't need all of these and like they, just take the clothes dude like because like but starts also, having another breakdown. This right dude this is way bigger than Sam. I feel. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any like maybe a shirt I could see possibly fitting. Yeah, but they're Those still pants are they're not still guilting fit. him into putting the clothes on though. Yeah. Well, actually, no. They fit him later though. Like he puts on pants, and it's like those should not fit. They shouldn't. But they. Why do? does Sam have size like thirty six pants? <laughs> but yeah, then like. Like, are you sure I can bring them back? And they're like, dude, read the fucking room. Yeah. It is very much a bunch of people telling a guy to take the hint and him not getting the hint. Yeah. That would be me. I'd be like, you want, you want the clothes back? And they're like, dude, come on. And it's like, what? These look like expensive, man. What if I get paint on these too? God. <laughs> After that, it cuts to Sam, and he has his hands tied behind him, and he's kind. they just put him in a post, like, right in the middle of the desert, basically, and, like, forced him to stand right there. And he fell asleep. And, yeah, and, like, more or less just fell asleep standing up, and they wake him up by splashing water in his face, which, once again, cold New Mexican morning. So, I'm pretty sure that felt nice on his face. Actually, oh my god, I just... There's ice on their beards, like, all yeah. the time in this, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't bother to clean it up or anything. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, they bring him to the leader. They ask if he wants to help his friend, and he just doesn't say anything to them. And then they look at Joe, and they say, like, it's his turn. Sam, or Sam tells him, like, don't give him anything private, and they put him in a cage, and he's basically forced to sit there and watch as they brand Joe mm-hmm. in a form of torture. And then almost instantly after that, they show Joe sitting in front of a camera. He tells him, my name is Private Joe Willis with the United States Marine Corps. I was told I was coming here to fight for my country, but now I realize that Afghanistan belongs to its people, and we have no business here. I love you, Cassie. Joe Jr., your daddy always loves you. They close the camera down, and the translator looks at Sam and tells him, you have two daughters, as a way of saying, like, you know, he basically spilled all the beans at this point, so he they just broke him, and now they're trying to break Sam at this point. Yeah. Sam's like... Yeah, he's just staring <laughs> off at them. <laughs> it's half of the acting role in this movie. For yeah, him. it's just Literally him, just just him giving nothing. his stare. 
giving his Toby Maguire stare. Can't yep. you can't mess up your lines if you don't have any. <laughs> Fair. That's a good point. <laughs> Cuts back to the household and they're holding a sign that says stop. And Tommy tells her to put it on the floor and they go uh, and they go and they hide. Grace enters the house. She sees a sign on the closet out of all places that says do not enter. And then right next to that on the stairs there's a sign that says don't come up here and it's basically just like kind of guiding her to the kitchen until it says stop into her New kitchen that's been renovated, and it totally looks different from the rest of the like, house. wow, so. it only took, like, six months. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, it's her birthday, too. Yeah, it's what? her birthday, and everybody jumps out and says, surprise! Actually, with that, maybe the kitchen was already finished, and that was specifically for the birthday. Yeah, maybe, actually. <laughs> yeah. Because she doesn't seem like that, well, okay, she got to watch the kitchen be made for months, but, like, she's not, like, that enthralled by the kitchen itself. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, yeah, it's like... Oh, it's the mom's birthday sometime in the summer. It's maybe? March. March this time. summer. I thought the child's birthday was March, whatever. Oh yeah, you're right. Never mind. Yeah, so her birthday's sometime between November and March. Not summer. Maybe. <laughs> I guess maybe even October and it's two months later, October. It'd be but this December. could be even further past those two months. Yeah, it'd be about December or so if it was yeah. two months afterwards. Because he left in October. But then, so two like, months later, this would be October. I feel October. like it's been even We are longer. talking about the timeline yeah. of this movie way too much. Yeah. <laughs> when we already know that it sucks. The far off future. <laughs> the far off future of, of 2008. 2004. What? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, Tommy's like lighting candles and they're singing happy birthday. Oh, they start singing happy birthday to her. She blows up the candles. As she does it, she mouths the words thank you to Tommy. And Tommy just kind of is like, ah, don't mention it kind of gesture at her. And the funny thing about this is during the commentary, the director just went on this whole big rant about how the happy birthday song is copyrighted. Yeah. And how he had to pay to put that or put that song into this movie and how he's pissed off about it. He's like, oh, yeah, just two women in Arizona just get a bunch of money from people singing happy birthday movies. Yeah. It's some bullshit. Yeah, it is. An interesting fact, like cartoons and stuff, obviously, because they're made for kids and don't have as high of a budget as movies often avoid it. I think it was undergrads on MTV actually sang the happy birthday song. And that's like an insane, probably the, and it's an MTV show. That's probably the most expensive song that they had was the happy birthday song. That's insane. Yeah. But great news. It's no longer copyrighted. Is it? Oh yeah. You can just sing it now. Uh, After this actually cuts to a scene wherever Grace, Tommy and the girls are walking to an ice or to go ice skating at an ice rink. And there's a scene on the bridge and once again, according to the director, like this entire scene was just improvised between Jake Gyllenhaal and the little girl that played Isabel. Is that woman just a random woman they found too? She wasn't even. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> that would actually be kind of funny. But uh, Maggie ends up running up ahead, and Grace chases after her because she like and she's saying like, "Oh, I want to get to the ice cream before mom does." And it's like, "Well, we better wait for her." And then yeah, and Tommy's Maggie... like, "Hey, look out!" And then the mom's like, "What? The... What? <laughs> Not your daughter?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't tell like that's what I just said the look she gave him like what, what are you doing what are you fucking doing yelling at her and then Tommy's like this reminds me of the time I almost committed suicide on this bridge he didn't say that he did talk about how his brother like, saved him yeah he did okay so what it was no, I didn't take it as suicide yeah, I, didn't I take did that as but either. that's probably because I just associate bridges with suicide in a lot of media <laughs> so that's the thing that we learned today yeah I mean, no. Um, I still, I still got a silent voice on the brain. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Isabel ends up telling Tommy that uh, everybody loves Maggie, and he asks, "Why do you think that?" He's like, "Oh, because she's so lovable." Tommy tells her, "Like, see that river? Sam saved me from that water whenever we were kids." 
is what he says. He didn't try to commit suicide. He just apparently almost. I drowned. don't know. I, I just, well, knowing I don't the know, character, actually, yeah, no. knowing the character, I feel like that's kind of not too far off of his. I would character. say we don't know why he's in there. Maybe, but yeah. all we know is that Sam saved him from that water. And then yeah. yeah. I don't know if you guys. There's a not. There's a. There's a subtle hint that the daughter is kind of like Sam. Because he says and you're a lot what? like. I know. She says, and, "Yeah, you're a lot like your dad." And she asks if she's anything like her mom. She's like, "Oh, you're a spitting image of her." I don't Except, know why he says that because that's just not true. <laughs> I don't that's think what she, he says. She doesn't look anything like her. Yeah, but you have face blindness. So you don't count. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I'm like one, four, seven. And it's like I don't know how to do it. I don't count. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but then they get to the ice rink, yeah. and they're bad at ice skating because I guess they'd never done this before. I give Tommy a pass, but I feel like the others probably should be better. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they haven't done it before. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe Sam hates ice skating because we see later he's yeah. not doing it. I, I know, feel like, like he has a reason to it, not do it later. It's a yeah. five and a ten year old. You can't expect him to be experts at ice skating either. I can. You can, but you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like this nice little heartwarming scene of them just like, you know, skating around the ice rink together and kind of like a nice little family moment. With a not exactly family. It's kind of, it's a broken family, but it's a family still. But after that scene, it shows Tommy just kind of sitting there staring at the bank that he robbed and just smoking a cigarette like wanting to go in but like kind of not wanting to go in you see this woman that's kind of walking behind him and he just kind of hides his face for a moment as she walks by and then he kind of just throws a cigarette to the side and just starts walking into the bank and then after that it does cut to the another scene wherever he tells or he's talking to grace and he tells her that they talked for well over an hour that she said that she didn't sleep right for about three years she kept on having nightmares that he would come back and shoot her and that he had to explain to her that he wasn't going to hurt her. That at that point she started crying and she thanked him because she felt like she could breathe again. And then she asked him if he wanted to open up a bank account. What'd you do? I opened up a bank account. Can't wait to start bouncing checks. <laughs> and then at that point he pulls out a joint out of nowhere. Out of a pocket. Well, it, it was like hidden amongst his cigarettes, but mm-hmm. like it's the first time you see him pulling out a joint in this entire thing. Yeah, he's more a cigarette guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, like, pulls out a joint and starts smoking it. And then starts saying, like, oh, yeah, this is the song that I used to listen to all the time, which apparently is Winter by U2, because they wrote that song for this movie. And I was trying to figure out what the name of it was, and I couldn't figure it out, and then it apparently was just on the front of the case. So, I'm an idiot. Nice. <laughs> but, yeah, and then uh, Grace is like, wow, me too. And he's like, what? But I thought you were an old fuddy-duddy. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I can't believe you as an in sync fan is what she said. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like, man, I can't believe us with very similar ages listen to the same kind of music. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, to be fair, there's people like me growing up. I listen to very different music than most other people. Yeah, but you also lived in like a very Christian, and then you listened to metal. I mean, I listened to Christian metal because it was the only way I got away with listening to metal growing up. Yeah, because <laughs> that's the devil's music, just like rock and roll. Yeah, Grace starts going on about how like. It, I'm such a cliche, aren't I? Like, oh, because like she's just like, All right, you guys think I'm such a square, and like she's like, oh, you're just uptight, and she's just like, guys always say that about girls. I just didn't like you growing up. You're always drunk and fighting. Very valid reasons not to like someone, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. And then she asks for a hit of the joint, and he's just like, like, oh, I didn't think you're into that, and she's like, oh yeah, you guys think I'm such a square. He's like, well, I'm starting to reassess now, Snoop Dogg. 
like just a little scene where they're just talking and like about growing up and like they're kind of having a connecting moment together. She talks about our arm. She was cheerleader and he's like, yeah, you dated a football quarterback. She's like, oh yeah, I'm such a cliche. Uh, kind of a moment passes after they're talking. Like they just kind of stare at each other and they both end up kissing and realizing it was a mistake. Grace excuses herself and goes out to get some air. And then Tommy, after just kind of having a moment, realizing that he was in the wrong for that, just kind of excuses himself out the back door. I'm really he just like realizes he fucked up, starts crying. Yeah. And then he just yeah. sneaks out the back. Yeah. I'm really glad this is the way the movie went and not yeah. Yeah. that they got together. Mostly for my yeah, sake. If you watch the trailers of this movie, it honestly looks like, oh yeah, they, they got together. They were sleeping together, kind of. It, it, it paints that picture. I'm just happy it went this way because I like Tommy's character a lot. Yeah. And this would have made him not irredeemable, but it would have made him less likable. Yeah. I don't know. Like, from their and, perspective, he's dead and they're moving on months and months after. And yeah, but even though they're moving on, like, they still see this as wrong. Yeah, no, like, I'm not saying that they shouldn't feel like it's wrong. I'm just saying... I could. I don't really see it as like a super terrible thing if they didn't see it as wrong. I I would see it as moving on. Yeah, and it would have been moving on. And, and in it's some not, cases, yeah. like you know, I'm pretty sure something like this actually has happened to some families. Yeah, and it's like I I think it's moving way too fast. Anyways, like right. that's a big issue. But like assuming this was paced better, and they did that, and they were like, okay, yeah, this is fine. I would have been like, okay, sure. Well, I would. I'd be like, ew, gross. <laughs> you just said, ew. You're like, are you sure you're telling the right story, Jariah? Yeah. <laughs> Where's the drugs? <laughs> Actually, they, just, they were yeah, just smoking pot. Yeah, they were just smoking pot. It's all right there. I forget, like, how much, like, they actually would just smoke marijuana in a lot of movies like this. Because, like, I was like, that's not a joint, is it? And it was. I was yeah. like, huh. Why not? But after he excuses himself out, or out of the back door, Grace, it shows Grace laying in bed. She's kind of like just playing with Sam's ring on her necklace. She takes another look at the letter that she never opened from him. And she looks like she might be might open it, but then just puts it back into her nightstand and then kind of rolls over and goes to bed. I mean, I, I get where she's at because, like, as soon as you open that, that's, that's the it. final yeah. le- That's the final words. And like, that's kind of what it is, is, yeah, because she even said, like, I should feel something. And that's why she can't open it is because she can't bring herself to say, like, oh, yeah, my husband's dead. And, like, just kind of when you do that, you solidify reality and exactly that's not something she's ready to do yet even with the theoretical half a year or whatever that's passed by now and whatever time has gone by yeah. but anyways after this it actually just jump cuts straight to sam being branded by these people trying to break so, him yeah trying to break him and then after that uh you can hear joe being branded in the background afterwards like after they're done with doing that to sam and then shows him in the morning and they bring sam to joe who is just kind of like kneeling down on the ground. A broken man. Yeah, the nephew walks up to Sam and he hands him a steel pipe. And they tell him that this man no longer has any value to us anymore. He's just a waste of food and water. They they tell Sam, you're going to kill him. Sam looks at the translator, looks down at Joe, and he just drops the pipe as a sign of protest, saying, like, I'm not going to do it. At this point, pulls a gun out of his... I don't even know if it's like his waist or whatever, like pulls a gun. Yeah. Just pulls a gun out on him and he tells him to pick up the pipe. And you know, it's a very tense scene between the two of them. And then he tells him like that you have a family. You want to see him again. You do. You'll pick up the pipe. And you know, things start to get um, raised up even more after that. And like everyone's starting to get riled up as all this is going up. And he tells him 
pick up the pipe, kill him, or I will kill you. And at this point, like, he's, like, right up on him, and the gun, the barrel of the gun is, like, against the side of his head. And while all these people are riled up, and, you know, Sam looks down at Joe, and he picks the pipe back up, and everyone starts getting excited. And, like, at some point, you see Joe, like, trying to scramble away, and men with AKs and machetes pushing him back in to, you know, for the kill, basically. And uh, while all the while, like, all this is still being videotaped, too, this little camcorder that they have. And after enough pressure kind of happens... Like, Sam just starts screaming, and he starts beating in the head of this man that he just saved earlier, which, like you said, would have been manipulated if you would have watched him save him to only be forced to kill him afterwards. And uh, at the beginning, when Jiraiya talked about how I, like, started laughing, this is one, because Tobey Maguire releases the Tobey Maguire's screams. Yeah. He's He's like, uh, he doesn't have have the most manly scream in the world. He's not a manly man. (laughs) It's not even that. It's just like... His inflection is what it is, mostly. It's like, it's it's just you can't not hear, like, the Spider-Man screams when Spider-Man stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. so it's, I can't take yeah. the scene seriously. Yeah. yeah. That's, that happens. I'm sure, like, it's, I guess, probably the same thing with Dry, too. This was a different actor. It's probably be a whole lot more of a tense scene for you guys to, like, watch a man being forced to kill someone that he saved just earlier on in the movie. And then afterwards, like, even Dry made that joke because, like, afterwards, it just show him in the cave and he's just kind of in the fetal position, like, standing there. And, like, he just looks like he's broken as a person at this point. And, like, Dry made the comment of, oh, Spider-Man's seen too much. But after that, cuts back to the family life. And Tommy's coming to the house and he's holding some molding in his hand. Goes and knocks on the kitchen door. It's like, hey, just brought some molding for the kitchen. Which is just clearly an excuse to go and talk to her. Yeah. Even that, but. he sure waited a long ass time to do that. Talk to her? <laughs> no. The morning mold. after? The, oh, oh, the molding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like- so yeah, it might have just been an excuse to come talk to her, too. But while he's in, uh, installing it, he tells Grace, like, listen, I, I don't want to ruin anything, but I'd still love to come over and see the girls. Grace said that she would love for him to come see the girls. It's just, like, I don't blame you for any of that. We all just miss Sam. Like, and this is just in a way, weird way, part of the grieving process for both yeah. of them mm-hmm. with that. So, like, it's kind of one of those, like, don't worry about it. Like, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Like, we're it's still friends. one of those, like, really good writing things. Like, this is actually a really mature way to write this and handle the situation. Oh, yeah. And they both dealt with it well, but, like, it's a scene of both of them just, like, kind of growing as a person. And I feel like, more or less, this is a movie of Tommy growing and being a person and taking responsibility and doing, like, the right thing. And, like, he's more or less become the father figure now for these girls, like in the mm-hmm. absence of his brother. And like, it's him becoming a man in a weird way. After this scene, you hear knocking at the door and it's Hank again, comes in and like starts talking to our Tommy. He's like, Oh, how the hell did you ever learn to be so handy? I'm just kind of like nudging him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink, nudge, yeah. nudge. And Tommy's like, I didn't. <laughs> and all the, f- all the molding just immediately falls down yeah. right there. <laughs> kitchen starts falling apart. Yeah, the kitchen explodes, sets on fire. He like, says, never mind, I'm not proud of you anyways, and walks out. Yep. <laughs> really powerful scene. I only had one son. <laughs> wrong son, Dad! <laughs> that first scene that he had earlier, that's kind of what it was, is the wrong son died. And then this one is just him saying, like, hey, I'm like, I'm proud of the man you're becoming kind of scene. I don't completely think you're a waste of space. <laughs> <laughs> After this, it does cut back to the terrorist base, and you can hear gunshots in the background. All while, like, you know, you just see groups of terrorists just um, evacuating from this area. And the translator is just shooting at Sam from the top of this 
cavern from like where the opening is at the top of this cave and this yeah, like a batman this has to be Dark like at Knight least a 50 foot drop and he's looking. just like just shooting and like he's kind of backing up against the wall trying desperately not to get shot yeah and then like he starts aiming at some people you can't see off the scene and then like there's a scene wherever he points the gun directly at him and they make eye contact and then the translator is shot and he falls into the hole and it's done in a really cheap way but but uh it cuts out to the outside of that cave, and you can see the Marines have landed, and they're taking over the camp. And it actually shows the camera that they filmed everything on, and it's burning. Yeah, so all the evidence of everything that happened is gone. Yeah. And Sam walks out. He just plainly, like, walks out and sees the Marines, and like, oh, hands up. Like, we don't know who you are. Like, you a Cal? Like, is this uniform? Are you a Marine? Kind of thing. And he's not saying anything, because he's just kind of like, what's happening kind of mode right now. And then... After that, it cuts back to Tommy, and he's building a snowman with the girls. And then eventually, they start having a snowball fight. And while they're having the snowball fight, he just like takes the head off of the uh, of the snowman and just like drops it on top of Isabel. Yeah, and she does. And yeah, she just like starts laying there, like she's not or not moving and everything. Like Isabel, are you okay? And like she's not moving and like gives him a quick scare just to be like, like sucker, sucker, like you know, just her being a little shit basically. A child. But, yeah, a child. Yeah. But, you know, just them all playing around and being happy and everything. And Grace is watching them from the kitchen. And she gets a phone call. And as she gets this phone call, like, it's another one of those scenes. She doesn't say anything. But, like, the facial expressions that she's making while she's doing all this, like, is basically saying everything you need to hear mm-hmm. out of all this. And eventually she just goes and she sits down. And she starts to cry again. But she's crying and she's smiling. And Tommy walks in and he's just like, hey, what's going on? And, like, she just smiles at him and cuts to the airport. And after that, like, it's just the whole family waiting for for Sam to come back. Eventually, the plane lands, and the first ones to run out to go see Sam is the do- or is Isabel and Maggie. They go and they give him a big hug. And after that, Grace goes out, and she gives him a hug. And after that, it goes to Tommy, and he gives Sam a, gives Sam a hug. And then they start walking away and just kind of leaving Tommy behind and start mo- kind of going back home. They go back home. The girls show Sam the new kitchen. And he asks who did it. First thing Maggie says is like, I did it. And then Isabel ends up telling him it was Uncle, our Uncle Tommy and the three amigos. And he's just kind of like, you know, going around and looking at his house. And eventually they just follow him back to his bedroom. And he sits down on the bed and he eventually lays down and kind of calls all three of them up to him. They all start cuddling together on the bed and just like, ah, my girls. And then. Isabel starts noticing, like, he's giving that thousand-yard stare. She's like, and, can we get up? I'm not yeah. tired. It's yeah. not bedtime. Yeah, Maggie makes a comment of, like, it's not bedtime. Do I have to stay here? And he's not saying anything. He's just, like, still just, like, laying in bed holding all of them. And then after that, it cuts to Sam and in the bathroom, and he's shaving. And Grace enters the bathroom, and Sam just, like, instantly gives her this super intense look. She's like, oh, I thought I locked the door. She's like, no, oh, it's broken. Walks up to his back, and... At this point is the first time you can see, like, all the scars he got whenever he was being tortured by these terrorists. And also, I think the biggest thing about this is, like, if you notice from the beginning of the movie to now, you can tell that, like, he's lost a lot of weight. Like, he's malnourished and everything from everything that happened. I don't think it's here, but there's this cool scene with the later where you see his hand with the ring and the ring's, like, almost falling off. Yeah, it just does not fit his finger. Yeah. Um, So during all of this... Grace is like going up and kissing him and holding him while he's shaving. He's like, uh, actually, I just, I just want to finish shaving. Okay. She's like, okay. And just leaves. And after that, it actually does show Tommy reading a newspaper with the story of Joseph Willis coming home. And 
uh, him kind of learning what happened with that. But if you actually read it, the, it is like an old news article. It does say that they were prisoners of war for four months. So this is like four months after he went back. <laughs> feels I feel like longer. it would have been a lot longer. Yeah, it feels like a year or something. Yeah. Yeah, four months. Huh. But yeah, this is four months later. So, and like him yeah, reading the story it's with only that. February? It's oh, no, that doesn't make sense either, though. Because doesn't the daughter at one point says like her birthday's March 10th or something. Yeah, and you do see her later on at the at her birthday party. I thought it was the. I could have sworn that was the one that got skipped over. No, that this is February. The other one, or it was the older one who it didn't really show her birthday. I get which <sighs> you get into why you don't see her birthday later, but whatever. Time time doesn't make sense in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, like basically, like you know, it was February whenever they found him and brought him home, and it's probably roughly around March now. And there's a scene which, weird enough, I found out this is another scene that was actually improvised, but it feels somewhat important to the story was uh, Sam, he's doing repairs on his truck whenever Hank comes up and starts talking to him. And he's like, hey, like you, like you good? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Hank tells him that like whenever he came back from Vietnam, he couldn't talk to their mother, and he felt like he took it out on Sam and Tommy and just wasn't really sure why he did that. But if he ever needed someone to talk to about it, then you know he was there, and that's very common amongst soldiers. You know, like It's one of those whenever they dealt with stuff and you know, saw, saw a bunch of very horrible things, you know, they can't really talk about it to someone who just doesn't really understand. And it's only someone else, another Marine, another soldier, another, what they call them in the Navy, fuck. <laughs> Person? Uh, yeah. Another sailor, you know, like Pirate. someone else who could understand what they were going through kind of thing. Like they can't really talk about it to anybody else. And so that, that's why he just tells them like, you know, like I, I get it. Like if you need to talk to someone, I'm here for you. Yeah. After that, it kind of does cut back to uh, Tommy skating with the girls, and this time, though, Sam is watching them from the side, and it's something that I didn't notice when I first watched this movie, but hearing the commentary and then watching it in the upscaled version, I noticed it more, is uh, there's CGI snow whenever they're skating on the or on the rink, <laughs> but it's real snow whenever um, it shows Sam sitting there on the table, and that's because apparently it was just snowing like a motherfucker that day, and then whenever they needed to get the scenes of the girls... Uh, skating it wasn't snowing so they had to put cgi snow in there that's but yeah like when (laughs) sam's sitting there on the table watching him that's real snow it's important dialogue in the movie when so yeah tommy goes to sit with sam you're good yeah better than i thought look good out there with them thanks for taking care of them i didn't expect that it just comes naturally you know it uh it makes me you know start to think you know grace is something huh you fucker. What? Are you kidding with me right now? I'd understand. You th- you thought I was dead. Stop it. Tommy, I could forgive you. What's going on in your head? What's making you think that? You guys just look like two teenagers in love out there. All right. You know, you, you can't deny that. You can tell me. You gotta tell me. You understand? I know you slept in my house. Sam? Sam. Hey, don't bullshit me. And then at this point, Tommy just says nothing. Just takes a giant drag from his cigarette. I mean, to be fair, like, with a scene like that, it's it's hard to console someone who just, like, even if you didn't do it, they, like, they're so sure that you're in the wrong. Like, how do you, what, like, what do you say in a situation like that to console, like, like no, You could start with, like, no. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't even say that. Doing nothing's definitely the worst option, I would argue. Right. I think he tries saying that he didn't do it without actually saying it out loud, but it doesn't come across like that to to Sam. 
I, it yeah. doesn't come across to me like that at all either, honestly. Like, it was... <laughs> Sam was so convinced at a certain point that it happened, and neither of them were denying that it happened, that I started to think that it happened and they just didn't show us. Maybe. Like, honestly. I, yeah, I, I guess that's fair, but... Like, this needed to come out. I hate, like, I hate when movies or shows do that to where, like, there's this secret, and the only reason why it's still a secret or, like, a problem is because no one's saying it's not a problem. Yeah, and I think that's, that is a part of the thing, too. But if you notice with, like, Tommy's character, he doesn't really do confrontation very well throughout the entire movie. He doesn't. But he could at least say, like, I didn't fuck her. Yeah. You're my bro. <laughs> bro. I, yeah. But then, after this... It shows Sam looking around the kitchen, kind of hear a baby cooing around, and you can hear a woman saying, like, oh, Joe, Joe Jr., come back here. I will and, say, I was very confused, because I thought that was just a kid, one of the kids now. And I was like, <laughs> what? So I was like, oh, shit, they did fuck. Yeah. And he just figured it out from a baby, <laughs> I guess. I, I definitely should have noticed that there was another baby here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, oh. Although, yeah, it's... it's it was much worse when I, like, what was happening actually sunk in. But, um, yeah, with this one, it's, here, Joe Jr. come back, and if you, uh, once again, it's very quickly done, and so you don't notice it the first time watching this movie, is, because, uh, like, this is the girl Cassie earlier, this is Joe's wife and his son, and, like, you do see him earlier in the movie whenever Grace has hiding them at the school, but it's so quick that you don't notice it, especially the first time watching this. But, um, there's kind of just, like, the stare-off between Sam and this baby, and Cassie starts talking about a nightmare that she was having where Joe is looking at her. He's trying to tell her something, but his teeth keep falling out and blood just comes out of his mouth. All right, and then she just tries to pick up the teeth. But last night in particular, she saw Sam in the dream, and he was just looking at her wedding ring, just smiling. She hated him in that dream. She just wanted to come over and apologize because she feels sick for feeling that way. It's just weird. I don't... Yeah, you don't have to apologize for something that happened in a dream. Yeah, yeah. Like, if she was actually, like, like the way she says it, it makes it sound like she actually was, like, hating him and wanted to apologize for that after she was, like, he literally didn't do anything. Yeah. Nothing and I think that's done. what it was. Is like, she probably hated him because it was one of those, like, oh, yeah, like, the two are the, oh, yeah, oh, yeah your husband came back, but mine didn't, so fuck him for that. Like, But it, it really doesn't, it isn't that, though. It's literally just, I had a nightmare yeah, and, and I think he it's was one of those in like, the nightmare. Yeah, he was yeah. in the nightmare, and I think she was saying like a part of her hates him for surviving and her husband not surviving kind of thing. She wanted to come and apologize for feeling that way to her. I think, and if anything, she probably just needed to talk to a friend about what she was going through. Yeah, once again, kind of like a familiarity because at one point in time they were both grieving wives for their dead husbands that were in the Marines. Sure. Grace but is like, it is kind of unfortunately, weird. Unfortunately, I'm not anymore. Sorry. Yeah. So you got to get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it is kind of weird that she, you know, wanted to come by and apologize for that in particular. Like, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. But um, the director said that he wanted to, he wanted to feel like it was more like women's intuition. Because I guess in the original movie, what happened is Sam goes to her place and he wants to tell her what happened and apologize. But he still can't come to say out loud what he did. And so he just kind of, like, goes over there and, like, says, like, oh, hi, sorry about your dead husband and leaves, in a sense. Huh. That is super suspicious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that was in the original movie, and he didn't want to put that in this movie, so instead he said that he kind of wanted there to be more of a play of a woman's intuition. Like, she knows that something's wrong, but she can't quite put I, her I finger on it. I feel like there's a better way to set it up, though. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was, too. 
Like, I think even I think another that's the thing. Like one more draft of this, and a lot of that could have been fixed. Yeah. I think. yeah. Even just like removing the part where she's like, "I wanted to apologize for that." Just like if she just wanted to say that, like, yeah. Because again, she's talking to a friend because she needs to grieve. Yeah. Like what's so like, she doesn't have to c- grieve and talk about it. Like she could just come over and say what's going on. Yeah. So I don't know because like I don't this weird stuff this movie does. And then as she does that, she's like, "Oh man, Joe Junior sure is." sitting there <laughs> sir is just being a baby i better go pick up the baby and when she goes and does that she sees that sam is there just staring at the baby she's like oh hi sam like, oh hi I'm like clearly seeing yeah that it, he heard it is, everything yeah it very much is like a very awkward scene between both of them she does ask him like did you see him die and no okay did you see anything like was he in a hear something camp? did you hear something like tell me anything about my dead husband can't. and she's yeah. like well i know he was brave yeah and she says like she calls him a good man and then basically just leaves well, and uh so i'll say i was really worried that the baby was gonna trigger ptsd in him and that it was gonna be a weird different movie at this point where he just kills the baby because he doesn't understand anymore that he's not in that situation that, that would have been, been a very different movie that, that would have been a way darker movie yeah yeah I, this movie's kind of dark Anyways. It is dark. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. We, but we're that talking about a movie where he had to brutally beat his squad mate to death. But later on that night, you can see Sam. He's just kind of like rearranging dishes in the cupboard. And while he's doing this, he hears a dog barking outside. And instantly, he just grabs a gun from the back of his waist, po- or his waist and starts looking out the doors and starts like checking around the house. Which I'm once surprised again, this he is... can just have a gun. But well, I guess he is military. Yeah, he's military. still yeah he's still military. But that's the thing is, like, I've actually heard stories of a lot of guys who had PTSD who they would do that. They would lock themselves inside of a motel room, and they would just, like, sit there and check out the windows every two minutes and with or with, with the gun in hand because they just kept on expecting somebody to come after them. So this is actually a very common thing you see with soldiers in PTSD. Mm-hmm. It's like they get unchecked and don't actually get support that they need. It's yeah, it's crazy. almost like they're put into a camp to where they're trained to be horrible murderers and follow every single command and then when they don't have that system that's trained them to do that anymore they don't know what they to do. no longer know how to function as human beings right but that's the thing is he's just kind of basically waiting for someone to come attack the house and keeps like go- pacing around the house throughout the night and with with his gun drawn like just waiting for someone to come up after that sam does go back to the base in full uniform saying that he wants to go back and that he's ready to see his men and our and major asks like him, no yeah the, well the major asks him like well how's the counseling going it's like it's fine. How's the families? They're fine, but they don't. They don't. Yeah, understand. they don't understand what's going on, kind of thing. And like, it's he wants to tell him what happened, but he still can't bring himself to say out loud what happened at that camp. And that's probably one part of the problem is he's probably bullshitting them enough that they can't quite pinpoint what's wrong with him. They just know that something's wrong with him. Yeah, I don't even know if I believe he actually is getting therapy. <laughs> and there's there's also that chance too. Maybe he's not even going to counseling. Maybe probably telling like, oh, I don't need it. I'm fine. Because that's also sad enough a thing too, but like, yeah, yeah. Well, like, like he... the thing is, is that there is programs for a lot of are uh, a lot of soldiers, especially ones coming back from war. The problem is, is that the military does not tell them about it well enough. Like they'll give them a pamphlet and tell them, "Good luck, you're on your own." But like, even if they do tell them about it, they still have to go through a rigorous yeah, they, process yeah, they of they getting covered by progress to get every, there. Yeah, yeah, to get the yeah. help that they need. It's it's insane. It is, but yeah, he just tells them like, "I can't go back there. They don't understand." And the major tells him, it's going to take some time. You've been through a lot of shit. Like, just hold down and, like, wait for the process to go through. And after that, shows the family sitting down for dinner. 
and Isabel is talking about a boy named Brian who has a dog with really big ears, and she can't really remember the name of the dog. That's when Maggie says, Elephant? In her cute little five-year-old way. Yeah. And they all kind of start laughing. And they, all accept, they all laugh except for Sam, who seems like he just can't find out why it's funny. He's like, yeah. why would you call it Elephant? Because it has big ears, you know? Elephants big have big ears, elephant? so like... Yeah. Elephant! Yeah, it's a very like five year old joke. Yeah, yeah, but but it's him just like being super down and serious about this whole thing. He's like, well, I don't get why that's funny then. You know, big big ears. It's funny if you really think about it, Dad. And Sam, it's fine. Like, relax. And then he just walks away from the table. Which I guess another thing the director said is like in the original script, he actually like grabbed the plate and threw it up against the wall. But that's that a bit too. Yeah, that been a like that was too much. That's and not this scene. He's also said he um it was. I felt the same way as like whenever Tommy slammed his hand down after having that argument with Hank at the very beginning of the movie, and he didn't want to do that scene again with this scene, so he just had him walk away from the scene because that was—it's a bit over the top. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then they asked, like, "Is Dad okay?" He's like, "Yeah, it's fine." You know, starts walking away, or to go yeah. like check on him. And actually, I should know. Uh, Maggie's just like eating the spaghetti with her hands too. Yeah, fuck like, it, like a five year old. <laughs> I feel but, like five-year-olds, you understand how forks work at that point. It's just because you understand doesn't mean you want to use them. I guess that's true. Isabel asks uh, when Uncle Tommy's coming over. She says it's soon, and she goes and checks on Sam. She goes, he's just kind of sitting on the couch with his head in his hands. Ask, and Grace asks him, what's going on? And he asks her like what he was doing with Tommy. She thinks that He thinks that something's up. And she actually admits, like, we kissed. That's it. Nothing more. Like, we both missed you. Couldn't get out of bed. Couldn't function right. That's all that happened. Now nah, you fucked him. Yeah. And then that's what he says. He just like, nah, I think you're fucking Tommy, and then walks away from her. And then Bozen grabs his jacket, and he walks outside and just, like, leaves that night. Yeah. And then after that, it shows him walking in a graveyard. Walks to the grave of Joseph Willis. Then basically just stays there all night, and it kind of shows him in the morning with the sunrise walking away from that grave. And it's and just going to pan out with all the graves. And I think it's assumed that those are all also soldiers' graves. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's uh, usually what they whenever do. Some, whenever a soldier dies, they're all buried with other soldiers. They, Unless uh, they ask not to be, I assume, right? Like, if they wanted to be buried with their family, I assume they can. I think once you're in the military, if you're honorably discharged, you get buried yeah, in the military. I, I think it's that, but it's mostly mm-hmm. for... If you're honest, honorably discharged, you can get buried there still. I think it's mostly for soldiers who died in service that get buried there and most of those graveyards are massive too like there's yeah, a I've lot of men gone to a couple yeah. it's kind of yeah just kind of like the weird symmetry with them too is always a weird unsettling thing yeah but he then shows up in his own backyard and uh Isabel's pulling Maggie in the sled and then she stops and then Maggie just like it's like a really like earnest where she's like why would you stop yeah he just kind of um, walks back and he starts to tell him like you know everything is okay I just needed some time to walk and tries telling him a little dumb joke of like why did the girl blush when she opened up the fridge and they both automatically say because she saw the salad dressing oh I've told you that one before yeah like a thousand times dad and still funny though it's still funny though and like it's this scene where like the girls are just very uncomfortable around him and he's trying to like make amends of it and they're just not having it at all he's just not their father no he he's not the man that came back or the man who left for Afghanistan and the man who came back are two very different people. He walks inside and Grace asks where he was. And he's like, I just went outside and just thinking about you and the kids. And 
sun came up. <laughs> How lucky I am to be alive. Then after that, cuts to Hank getting the girls ready or in the car. Maggie keeps saying, it's my birthday, which she said earlier in the movie that her bar- birthday is March 10th. So, yeah, so March, March 10th. March 10th. At this point. So about five months after the beginning of the movie. Definitely feels longer. It does feel a lot longer. First it feels too short, now it feels too long. They need to figure themselves out. This isn't our fault. <laughs> yeah. Cuts to, I guess they, they're having the party at the grandparents. And yeah. they and Maggie's like, can I open a present? And there's like, no, you got to wait for Tommy. And the Hank's like, just one's okay. The one I got her. She's like, like, okay, we well, can go open grandpa's gift then. Yeah. I hope. I bet it's the big one. No, they, he actually straight up says like, don't worry, it's the biggest one over there. Like, I got you the best one because I'm grandpa and I'm awesome like that. And it's like, whoa, Nintendo 64. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, no it's uh, it's like a doll. Yeah, it's a, it's a doll or something. But yeah. while this is happening, they hear a knock at the door and Isabel gets really excited and she goes and runs up and opens up the door and she sees Tommy with another girl. And then her excitement just instantly drops. And because like in the up. kid's mind, like Uncle Tommy is dad now. Yeah. Pretty much, because he did. He very much took over that father figure role for yeah. her, mm-hmm. and you know, not her that for her real dad's months. back. Like it just makes her want Uncle Tommy to be there more often. Like throughout all these scenes, they just keep on saying like, "When's Uncle Tommy gonna be here? Like, can I see Uncle Tommy? Where's Uncle Tommy?" Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And yeah. um. Uh. So he's like, "Hey, this is a person." Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, this is uh, Tina. Yeah, this is Tina. We've known each other for a while. Met an hour and a half ago. You know. I don't I don't like that line because I think it actually sells a lot short. <laughs> like, why did he bring this person he met an hour and a half ago? I feel I like I feel he's... like he did that to kind of show his brother that he wasn't fucking his wife. Maybe. Yeah. That's that's, that's what I take out of that. It's like hey. I don't know, but like how friendly they are with each other too does not feel like someone you met an hour and a half ago. She says he's very charming. He's guess. very charming. They probably <laughs> met at the bar. They might be drunk. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels kind of weird to me. One of the few things I think is weird about the movie, I feel like it, like just how open she is about going. She's insanely open. Yeah. yeah like, that... She's just giving them her life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Then they go eat cake, and I guess- Well, the... Tommy and Tina are eating pizza during but, yeah. this. But, yeah. But I, I guess it came up that- War and everything. She's like, yeah, I think they should probably get uh therapy. And Hank's like, what therapy? They're Marines. They're the strongest of the strong. They don't need therapy. They're trained for this. She's like, I just you know when you shoot someone, it's a irreversible trauma to the brain. And then Grace is like, what do you mean, like irreversible? Like they're trained for this. She's like, yeah, yeah, but it's not exactly train. Like you can train them to shoot shoot at someone, but you can't exactly train them to deal with the death of someone. Yeah, it's like basically exactly what she says, and everyone's like, (laughs) and even Tommy's like puts his hand on her leg, like like, just just not the subject, like not the family. Please just stop. (laughs) Well, like it's it's because with him, it's just like that's just not a good subject. It's not even like with the rest where they're like, no, you're wrong. And he's just like, just not how we talk, and uh. Isabel's getting, like, progressively more, like, annoyed. Yeah. And she starts taking the toys from Maggie, and uh, Sam's like, Isabel, come on. What are you doing? Like, knock it off. thing, And it's her way of just kind of, like, acting out in this moment, basically. Yeah, and Tina keeps... And they keep asking Tina different questions. It's like, oh, what do you... Oh, I'm a nurse. Yeah, oh, what which, made you want yeah, to be a nurse? It, I like ch- people. Yeah. It's just chit-chat. Like, none of that really matters. It's yeah. very much build up with this, where, like, Isabella, like... Yeah takes one of Maggie's toys and Maggie's like, Hey, give that back. And then give her back her toy. Then 
she gives it back to her. It's a balloon and yeah, like all the while, well, like all the because it does the toy thing like four or five times. Way too but, many. Like the entire yeah, but the entire time Sam is just dead staring at at her. Yeah, he's very much staring daggers at this girl. Like if you weren't ten, I'd snap your neck. Kind of look. Yeah. And then she starts, like, faking the annoying balloon noises with the balloon. That Robbie loves. <sighs> this is almost as this bad as This is the fourth foam. time I've watched this movie in preparation for all of this. And <laughs> even watching it that fourth time, the hair on my arm was still standing up. I cannot yeah. stand the sound of a balloon making that sound. Like, you know, dry. as a kid, like, you can watch all the hair on my body just, like, go straight up when that happened. And I would just... It's Go into a, kill mode, basically. Yeah. This movie clearly no it's not a pleasant noise. <laughs> no, 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 it's not fun. But like But it's basically I, it once again it's her acting out. Like the toys yeah. that she tries holding on to get are taken away from her. She takes that balloon, she just starts yeah, acting out like, by Yo, making that sound. Isabel, maybe don't. That's kinda rude. Yeah. And, and then, it it escalates to the point where Sam actually goes well, to grab the balloon. Before that though, like oh. what happened is uh she ends up saying, like, Maggie gets everything. And then they say to her, it's your birthday. Yeah, but it's, it's Maggie's birthday. She's like, yeah, I didn't get anything I wanted for my birthday, though. And like, you were off in oh, stupid, stupid Afghanistan. Afghanistan. And then she just keeps on rubbing that balloon loudly. And Lam- uh, Sam just gets pissed off enough that he just grabs a balloon and pops it right in her hand and tells her, enough! This is whenever the scene finally blows over. And Isabel looks at him and says, why couldn't you just stay dead? You're just mad because mom would rather sleep with Uncle Tommy than you. Grace. They have Wait. sex all the time. Yeah. It's a, I don't like this line either because it does not feel like a thing a child actually would say. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that 100%. It's like, just something there to push the plot forward. It is. But yeah. also it's just kind of showing, you know, Isabel, this is like her lashing out against her father because she doesn't like who he is now. But then Maggie's like, can I go home now? Because like that just sucked all the air out of the room. Mm-hmm. For some reason, <laughs> for some reason, yeah. So they, the that family goes home. Yeah, and, and it's it shows like it's just an awkward silent car ride the entire yeah, way home. No radio, yeah, no radio, no nothing. Just dead silence while Sam is just staring forward with murder in his eyes. And then, so then. they get home and all the and the kids are put to bed and they're like, "I'm sorry." Yeah, Grace says like, "Why would you say that? You know, it's not true." And Isabel says that she doesn't like dad and she'd rather have Uncle Tommy around. And Maggie agrees with her. All Grace can say is, like, dad will get better. Really? Yeah, really, he'll get better. At this point, Grace looks outside and she sees Sam. He's, like, just walking around the backyard and with his gun out still, just, like, looking at this dog that's barking, like, hoping that there's someone there for him to shoot almost. Yeah, and then she calls someone i think she tommy's calls tommy yeah well yeah it goes to tommy and he's like zipping up his coat and like he's going to go talk to them which it's one of those like he probably like left like saying i, I gotta go talk to him i, I gotta fix this kind of thing well, she doesn't like, like he doesn't even say anything yeah that's the thing is like that's just kind of the motion you're getting from him leaving and then, and then are, the... hank just yells at him to stay out of it because it's none of his damn business so like that line makes it sound like she called the parents then maybe and she then one of them yeah because then the mom says like to call the police and that's not something you say unless you understand how the situation escalated. Yeah. Tommy leaves. Uh, the parents call the police, apparently. Yeah. And, and then, Sam's very weird. Yeah, Sam is just kind of sitting in a chair, and he's holding a crowbar like a cane. I don't even know where he got... Well, I guess apparently people own crowbars. Well, it actually shows him with that crowbar earlier in the movie, too. Like, whenever he's just, like, ripping his truck bumper off, he throws oh, yeah, that crowbar to the side. I so. forgot they are mechanics, I guess, or... They're handy. They're yeah. handles. They got love handles. Grace comes in and she's like, uh, what's going on? What are you doing with that? And all Sam asks is like, where are the kids? What are they doing? 
I put them to sleep. They're in bed right now. Tuck them in. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Say or your just prayers. Like, tuck them in. Say your prayers. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I don't like just say their prayers. I just not a fan of that. They're they're religious. Yeah. No, not that. Just like so threatening. Being pretty threatening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's talking <laughs> to a man who's sound like he's just going to murder the kids. You yeah. don't know if he's going to murder their kids at this point. I he feel might. like no, but you know, eh, coin toss, I guess. At yeah, this at this point. point. But yeah, like the fact that he's just sitting there holding a crowbar, it's saying that to her, like it just all adds to the scene. He walks past her. Goes into the kitchen. He's like, you know what I did? Huh? Do you know what I did? And like, it's like, no, I don't. What happened? Then he starts like screaming, you know what I did? And then. He just like starts bashing the kitchen like with his crowbar, breaking everything. He's like, "You know how I suffered? Do you know how he suffered? And do you know what I did for you? Yeah, you know what I did. You know how he suffered because of you? And like, is just losing it at this point, yeah. completely going crazy, destroying all yeah. of the, the cups. Yeah. <laughs> and then like he's just like, you know what I could do with these fucking hands? And like, just he's losing it and going crazy. And at this point, that's whenever Tommy enters the kitchen. He's just like. What are you doing here? And then he just kind of stops and puts his hands up and just kind of in his way saying, like, it's, it's fine. It's okay. And, like, just slowly approaches him and, like, just gives him a hug of just saying, like, it's okay. Just calm down, please. And it seems like things are going to calm down for a second here. That's whenever Grace walks away. And you just see the murder return back to his eyes, like, super fucking quick. And, like, pulls the gun or starts to try to pull the gun out of the back of his pants again. And, like, that's – and Tommy, like, grabs his arm trying to stop him because he's – pretty sure he's going to murder him at this point kind yeah. of thing. And, and you like, start hearing sirens in the background. Yeah. And like start hearing sirens and like grace goes upstairs and she tells the girls to like, don't leave the room, lock the door and like yeah. starts running back downstairs. And it shows Sam's like, who you called the police? What? Yeah. And like at this point, like you can hear him downstairs, like screaming, are you fucking her? Are you fucking her? And like, it goes down and shows him and like, he's holding the gun to his brother's head at this point. And that's whenever he hears the sirens. He's like, you call the cops, huh? You call the fucking cops. And then, Starts rushing outside to go meet up with these cops that are out there. Sir, is there a problem, officers? Yeah, just yeah. a fucking gun in his hands. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Is there a problem? What are you guys here for? Yeah. yeah the cops are like, and like, please drop that. Yeah. <laughs> and they keep telling him, like, put down the gun, put down the gun. And like, he's just like, huh? Oh, what? Like, you know, just kind of egging them on. And like, that's yeah, whenever Tommy and Grace run outside and they keep, they try to de escalate as much as they can, but it's, you know, it's pretty much trying to put out a house fire with a hose at this point. Mm hmm. And they're trying to say, like, this, like, you know, we're, he's my brother. This is a family matter. Like, please just put down the gun. And, like, and then the, the most unrealistic thing happens in the entire movie. The yeah. cops are like, you know what? You're right. Let them talk. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they as leave. cops do. <laughs> no, they just, they, they literally say, it's like, no, no, shut up, guys. Yeah. Let them talk. And they don't shoot. Yeah. They would shoot. They pro- and <laughs> yeah. realistically, they probably would have shot him yeah. for this. But, like, yeah, like, for the sake of this movie, they didn't. Like, they even say, like, we know who you are. You're a war hero. And Sam's like, like, I'm, I'm not a, a fucking, fucking hero. hero. He's like, do you know what I've done? And, Shoots yeah. a shot in the air and, like, starts demanding the cops to shoot him. This is a very common thing known as suicide by cop, which is probably why they don't shoot him, honestly. Yeah. It's because they know, they know what he's doing. Like, things like this happen in real life, and that might be why they didn't. Like, they may know a little bit about what's going on with this family because it does do the whole small town thing for this whole movie. It's true. So that might be why they didn't shoot him is because, like, they're just trying to de-escalate the situation with this. And then when he realizes that the cops aren't going to shoot them and... uh he decides that he's going to do it himself and he puts the gun to his head and everyone keeps on screaming for him to put down the gun. And it just shows that like with the music that's playing and getting more intense as it's going, it kind of shows that like he's drowning out everything that they're saying. To you them. just start to hear this, uh, like 
a buzz. Yeah, a buzz kind of noise over everybody talking. And then eventually, uh, you can the only thing you can hear eventually is Tommy saying, you're my brother, you're my family, talk to me, kind of thing, just trying to calm this down. And then eventually... You can hear Grace takes a gu- as well. Gun. Yeah. You can hear Grace say, like, just like, Sam, Sam, listen, kind of thing. And he eventually takes a gun away from his head and turns around and looks at him. And Tommy asks him, what's going on, Sam? Sam replies, I'm drowning, Tommy. And then he just drops the gun on the floor and the cops just instantly go and they run to him and start putting him in cuffs to, you know, for his own safety at this point. Yeah. And then it, uh, as he's being taken away by the cops, it goes up and shows Isabella holding Maggie upstairs while they're crying. And it, it's a very, very intense scene for this. Like everything for this intense. movie has been building up to like this last scene that happened here. It shows Tommy walking home alone in the snow while Grace is kind of just looking at old pictures of her and Sam while she's laying in bed next to the girls. And she pulls out the letter again. And this time she finally decides to open it kind of in a sense of showing that like the man that she fell in love with originally is dead. Now she opens it up and she starts to read it. The letter reads my darling grace. If you're reading this, this means I did not make it back. Nothing is certain in life. The only thing I know for sure is that I love you and our girls. That is the only thing I know. The only thing about that is I don't think it read off the full letter, but that's all you really need to know about that because she does pull out two pieces of paper for this. It's just a really – he just had a really long paper. He just had to keep folding. (laughs) He writes in this really large letters. Yeah. He actually writes only in calligraphy. Oh, really weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so she reads that. And then after that, it does show – it shows Tommy laying in bed. Or I guess it goes between showing Grace laying in bed and showing Sam laying in bed. And eventually Sam, like, opens up his eyes. And then it shows Tommy laying in bed when the phone rings. He picks up the phone, and it's Sam. He's calling from the hospital, and he's like, I was just thinking about you, my brother. And in the morning, it shows Grace going to Sam to visit him in the hospital – well, I'm guessing Tommy looks after the girls during this time, I'm assuming. And when she goes to see him, it's kind of in this weird sense, like he's dressed very similarly similarly to how Tommy was dressed at the very beginning of the movie when he got out of prison. But it and feels like this has been quite a bit of time that's passed, because when he goes out, the guy's like, you know the drill, 30 minutes. At this point, it does show what E was saying earlier, that his wedding ring just does not fit him anymore. But after that, Grace tries talking to him, and... She says, like, you need to tell me what happened. Like, you don't, like, I don't know why you feel like you need to punish yourself after all of this. And she gives him an ultimatum. Yeah, she tells him, like, I've loved you since I was 16. If you don't tell me, this will be the last time you see me. And then it's just this close-up of Sam just crying. And he eventually says, I killed him. I killed Joe Willis. And it just kind of, they're just sitting there, both there sitting there crying and just embrace. Yeah. Then, and the narration with Tobey Maguire's, it says, I don't know who said only the dead have seen the end of war. I have seen the end of war. Question is, can I live again? And then it cuts to credits. And one thing Drya brought up, which I'd never noticed in this movie, is they don't have like a black card for the end screen when it goes to credits after this it's just like a f- darkened scene of like where it fades out to because you can still see the trees in the background yeah it's really weird i don't know why they did that yeah <laughs> they ran out of budget for black i, I have no maybe, idea they ran maybe. out of ink 
<laughs> so like I guess one thing I can say about this movie as a fun fact, the budget for this movie was twenty six million dollars. I feel like a lot of that movie was towards Toby Maguire's cut of the movie because like I know like I said, Toby Maguire was paid something like I think it was seventeen I, I want I'd say don't quote me because I don't remember the exact figures. It was like something like seventeen million dollars to do the first Spider Man movie, and then he demanded like an extra twenty million dollars for the second one. So like he was getting paid a lot of money. At one point in time he was the highest paid actor in Hollywood. So I feel like a lot of the budget for this movie was actually his paycheck. That's insane. Like I can tell you where it didn't go. The CGI. Yeah, that's very fair. <laughs> but so I feel like I can get to some fun facts that I it wasn't sure exactly where to put for this. Uh, one of them is uh, during the early prison scenes, I guess there was a, a deleted scene wherever Tommy had jokingly reached into his pocket and pulled out a picture of Heath Ledger and put it on his pr- prison wall because this was done after the um, Brokeback Mountain movies. Mm-hmm. And so it was like kind of one of it was kind of one of those like prisoners tend to put loved ones on their walls. And so as a joke, he put Heath Ledger on there <laughs> and they thought it was hilarious and kind of like a nice little moment. However, during the filming of this movie is actually whenever Heath Ledger died. And yeah. apparently Jake Gyllenhaal, who was very close friends with him, found out during the middle of them shooting a scene. And I guess he just immediately walked off set. And then he actually re- just returned two days later to finish the scene. And then afterwards took a longer bereavement leave before he was ready to continue the rest of his scenes. Uh, there was that Jim Sheridan, I guess, even just pre-production of this, uh, he would just like randomly call up a bunch of the actors. And he was trying to like create a close, intimate relationship with all of them to try to create more of that family dynamic for the movie. And I guess uh, he's known for doing a lot of movies about family because I guess he had a screwed up family life er, while growing up in Ireland. He would, you know, call them up pre-production just to talk to them and like tell them about, ask them about their characters and things like that. And like Mm -hmm. he did everything he could to try to make them feel relaxed and feel comfortable around each other. Even enough so that sometimes he would practice scenes with the actors and he would never tell them who he was playing as, and he would never tell the other person who they were playing as. So sometimes, like, he'd call Jake Gyllenhaal and be like, oh, like, well, you're playing Sam now, and I'll play Tommy. Or, like, uh, he'd call up Toby and, like, tell her, like, okay, you're going to be playing Grace, and I'll play Tom- or and I'll play Tommy or something. You know, just kind of mix it up so everybody knew what they were doing and they felt comfortable with what they were doing. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. The director also said he felt like there was a lot of small changes that he made for the American remake of this movie that changed the DNA of the movie. Because he felt like the original one was more about illicit love, and this one was a lot more about family. And he included some new aspects, like uh, I guess the brothers were friendlier from friendlier to each other at the beginning of the movie. Like in the original Dutch movie, apparently the older brother is kind of pissed off that he has to pick up the younger brother from prison. It kind of gives him a lot of shit about it. Like hmm. there's not like a there's not a fun back and forth between them. It's more serious of relationship between them, like that. Um the part where they're trying to escape from their encampment, like that was also part of this movie in the original movie. It just kind of shows them sitting in a prison cell while they're there. And also they're UN soldiers, because to be fair, like even though it takes place with the same war, like the Dutch weren't really a big part of the Afghanistan war, but the UN soldiers were, and they were two UN soldiers that were captured in the original movie. Um, the whole part with Tommy apologizing to the bank teller that wasn't in the original movie at all, which I feel like once again kind of shows how Tommy's grown throughout the movie. So I feel like that was very important. I feel like it gives him more of an arc. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, apparently the the original kiss scene was in the garage and was a lot more incidental, and so like there's a lot less tension between the actors. It's just something that kind of happens in the yeah. original one. Um, yeah, like I told you earlier in the original movie, Sam goes to tell Joe's wife. Are to apologize to her what he did, but he can't do it 
and they felt like it would be better if she just had an intuition for it because he felt like it was just Sam being a shitty person to like go and apologize and be like, oh, hey, sorry about your dead husband and walk away. <laughs> hey, uh, I know that I lived and your husband didn't, so that sucks. Yeah. Anyway, I gotta go to dinner. Uh, I guess another thing that he did is um, he wanted the set to feel like it was a lot more lived in. So if you pay attention to the background, it feels like it's a lot more like, you know, it's a lot more of a lived in house. Like, you know, the kitchen's clutter. There's like a bunch of bills all over the night or night desk. There's blankets all over the couch and stuff. And like, yeah, it's still a set that they shot it on, but it feels a lot more lived in a lot more like a family area. So it's yeah. little details that you don't notice, but are there. Last one is uh, the pipe killing scene. Apparently it was originally meant for the very end of the movie, but they felt like that would be too heavy to show for him to say, like, I killed him and then show him beating him to death with a pipe. And it would kind of show that Sam would never fully be able to forgive himself. And they wanted to leave it more open of like, you know, that would have been maybe he really can actually dark to yeah. end on. And they felt that's what they felt, too. It would have been too heavy and too dark to end on that note. So they showed it a lot earlier in the film, which I'm kind of glad that they did. Yeah. And uh, but. I don't. I think that would have put a pretty yeah, it, different he, spin on the movie. Yeah, it. He felt that if he put it at the end of the movie, it would have shown that Sam would never be able to forgive himself, and he would never recover from this. And so they put it earlier in the movie to kind of give a little bit of a glimmer of hope of maybe, just maybe, he'll be able to live after this. With all that out of the way, I guess we could probably start giving our ratings for this movie. I think we can. Yeah, I guess we can probably start with E since he was the first, uh, the last one in on this one. Uh, it's a really interesting movie to say the least. It's a, it's a tale about two brothers who end up switching their roles in the movie. I get, I guess it's told as an anti-war movie. I I just see it more as a war movie that lets it talk about some of the more bad parts of war. And if that makes it an anti-war movie, it does. I just don't know if I feel like talking about bad parts of war makes it anti-war i would say that the movie's message itself is anti-war at least that's how i feel but like the characters in it are very pro-war i think that's what helps push that message of war kind of sucks yeah fair enough and to be it's kind of inevitable to for those themes to not be in the movie like they kind of have to be there yeah but uh he kept on saying he felt like this is very much a family drama first yeah and i think i would agree with that um there's a it's a there's a lot of things I like about the movie, but I think there's some stuff holding it back, and sometimes it is the dialogue, which is weird. It, this movie's all over the place in a yeah, lot of it aspects of it, it is. and I think that's the hardest part about it because on your as you're watching it, you can mostly follow along, but as you start thinking back, it's weird. There's a lot of weirdness to it, like how long do any of the scenes last because, again, apparently the majority of this movie is only four months, which is weird because you start the movie and it, you start the movie and it's like extremely fast that two months pass. But when you get to the end of the movie, you're like, like a year passed. What do you mean it's only four months later? Yeah, right. Like it sets up that like time goes by very quickly in this movie. And then after it sets that up, suddenly time doesn't go quickly anymore. Like it just feels like there's a lot of timeline stuff that just doesn't fucking work. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. I still, I'm still mostly positive on this movie. I don't think I'll ever really desire to watch this movie again. But for me, that doesn't—that's not really a negative. <laughs> that's that's not just new for you. No. Yeah, that's just—I <laughs> don't like to rewatch movies a lot. It has to be really important to me to warrant a rewatch. Because like, 
This is like Interstellar. I love that movie, but I don't know if I'd rewatch that movie anytime soon. It's fair. Yeah. It's just an interesting thing like that. But I guess getting down to the nitty gritty, my rating, I'm going to uh 7, I think seems fair for this movie. Okay. As for me, I would say I do more or less like this movie. I don't think it's groundbreaking in any way. I think the thing that really does make it what it is are the performances. Uh, You can feel the subtlety in Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. You can feel kind of that connection to the characters. He feels like he is a changed character at the end of it from where he started off. Um, Just like how Tobey Maguire's character, who plays Sam, feels like he starts from one thing and becomes a whole new thing. I think that if it wasn't for Jake Gyllenhaal, this movie would suck. Because the script isn't strong enough to carry it. Yeah. And the timeline is too weird and awkward to make it feel like a very cohesive narrative. Like, you really did need that charismatic character, that one that makes you feel like you have a connection to these other characters. And so I think Jake Gyllenhaal really does pull that off in a way that not a lot of actors really could. I think... Without him, this movie would fall on its face. But luckily, he is there, and so everybody else works off of him really well. Except for Tobey Maguire, whose performance, I think he... If he's trying hard, then he just can't hit those notes. And it's either he's trying hard, or he it doesn't care. Um, but either way, he doesn't hit the mark for me. Yeah, He just doesn't quite hit those dramatic parts as he needs to. But... It does do mostly a good job of doing what it's trying to do, and it is entertaining. Uh, the parts with Jake Gyllenhaal feel almost like a Hallmark movie at times, and then it tries to, I think, do the inverse of that with Tony Wire, where it feels like a, an intense war movie, and then every now and again it hits and meets right in the middle. But the tonal shifts, the time shifts, the shoddy work from Tony Maguire. The uh, shifty shifts. The shifty shifts. It makes it it makes it hard for a super super strong recommend for me, even though there are some good performances. Um, I think I'm gonna agree with E on this one. I think it's a seven. I can't imagine myself recommending it to anybody though. Like, I can't like I'm. It's never gonna come up in a conversation where I'm like, you know, a movie's really good though, Brothers. Because like the thing that I like about it is the performances, but the characters or the actors that put in the great performances in this have better performances elsewhere that deal with a lot of the same kind of subject matter. Right. And so this would not be my first, like, you know, you like Jake Gyllenhaal, you know, a movie you really need to see, like, this isn't going to be the one that comes up for me. Um, but yeah, I would give it a seven. Okay. How about you, Robbie? So once again, I did like this movie too. I will agree with you guys. This movie is flawed. You know, like it has, a, like I said, mostly Tobe Maguire. It's hard to see him as a war vet. Which, like I said, apparently Jake Gyllenhaal wanted to do it first, which actually that is one thing I forgot in the fun facts was uh, I guess the audience had a hard time believing that um, that Jake Gyllenhaal was the younger brother and Tobey Maguire was the older <laughs> brother. Even though in real life, Tobey Maguire is five years older than him. Yeah. He just has a baby face. Yeah, he just though. has a baby face. He does. Even with the whole beard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's that. It is a little bit in your face with some of the themes that it has, even though like I don't think it they want it to come off as an anti-war movie, it did really come off as an anti-war movie. And that was part of the controversy about it too, is like during the middle of a war, this was, this felt like for a lot of people, an anti-war movie, I guess cause time, but like, it's just seems so weird to me that it's controversial to just to war, not Hawks, be basically. into war. 
Like, and it's not even like I wouldn't even put it in like propaganda anti-war. It's just like hey, I wouldn't here's... say it's propaganda. I yeah. would just say like it's like war is an overall negative thing. Like it yeah. just says that, and I yeah. feel like that's what this says. Um, that's why I mean by anti-war is that just means like this is saying war is overall more than anything else a negative. There's not a lot of positive, if any positive, that comes out of it. I don't know. It, it is a touchy subject with a lot of people, too. And, like, that's also fair, whether it's pro-war or anti-war with it. Yeah. But um, I think they originally, they want it to be a family drama. But in a sense, it is kind of a universal tale. It doesn't matter what war it was. It doesn't, like, it technically didn't even have to be war. It could be the husband gets kidnapped from somebody and he's tortured throughout the movie. And they think he's dead. And then he, they find out that, or, you know, the police find him. And you know, he comes back kind of fucked up after being kidnapped and this would be the same exact movie and I think, and I think it is, it's kind of a timepiece of like PTSD and like what happens to people whenever they get it. Yeah. But I will be honest with you too. Like the reason why I wanted to show this with the movies that I was going to show you is this is probably one of the worst ones for the PTSD. It's not my first choice of movies for PTSD, but it definitely is like a good piece to show like what happens to people during this time and it is a family scene and it, it is very dynamic i do like jake gyllenhaal he is like you said the very much the leading character and like he makes this movie work yeah um and there are other great performances too but there are some lackluster ones too and i'm sure filming with children is hard even though the director says that he loves doing it creepy it's like i just kind of let them go crazy and i let the actors improvise around it and then like we'll shoot this scene a couple of times and then we'll take the one that works the best I'm saying an Irish accent since he's very Irish. That was Irish? <laughs> it wasn't a very good Irish, but it was an Irish. It's kind of more British almost, I would think. But, but if you were to rate it. I'd probably agree with you guys. This is probably about a 7 out of 10. Like The movie is good at its core, and it tells a very good story at its core. But it kind of flops it around, trying to do their own thing and trying not to be this movie that they remade that came out. About six years before, seven years before. Oh, three? Oh, four is when the other one came out. Oh, okay. But yeah, like the other one that came out, it was about the same exact war and the same exact story. It was just a Dutch story instead of an American story. And they felt like it would work better as an American story. And they flopped around and did a lot of weird things with it to try to make it feel more like their own story instead of just like an exact retelling of what this movie was or what the original movie was. It's such a quick turnaround for a remake. Yeah, it is. But I think they kind of want to do it, too, because we were still at war in Afghanistan. Like, this is still, like, in the height of the war. Yeah. Like, things didn't really calm down until, what, like, 2012, 2013, whenever they started sending some soldiers back. And it is a sad tale, but it is very much a family drama, too, of a family being broken down and trying to build itself back up afterwards. And, like, kind of the telling of, like, when something tragic like this happens, like, where do you go from there? Yeah. So at its core, like if they remake this movie in 20 years with some other war, some other type of story like that, I feel like it could be done better. But this one is still a good showing. It's still just Jake Gyllenhaal and Tobey Maguire, but 20 years from now. I think one of them will be well-respected still, and the other one will be out of Hollywood. <laughs> one of them kind of is out of Hollywood right now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Poor Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to do it for us on this episode. Um, if you want to follow us on any social media, we are on Twitter and Facebook, the last ones in. If you want to shoot us an email for whatever reason, that is the last ones in at gmail.com. Again, I'll say that email. The last ones in at gmail.com. Send us any kind of email or message. Let us know what's on your mind or your opinions on a movie. We'd be 
we would love to read those. If you don't know, then we have been doing live shows every Saturday night after we record our normal episodes. So if you want to catch those, just keep an eye out on our social media stuff for links to our live shows. If you don't catch our live shows, we archive them for a week later. So it goes up one week after. But yeah, that's going to do it for us on this episode. Thank you guys for joining me again. Not a problem. Yep. And we're going to get out of here. You guys have a great week. Be safe. Talk to you later. See ya. Hasta. I think Disney actually did try to like copyright Dia de los Muertos in America because of the Book of the Dead. Wow. Disney's a fucking terrible company. They are. You want to sponsor us? (laughs) (laughs) If anybody at Disney's listening, we'll take your money still. According to college, apparently how to give a good handshake is super important. Like, what? Life or death. If you give a bad handshake, you're just out. You can't get a single job, apparently. Huh. I didn't know that. (laughs) That's what they teach you. There's like three classes in each one. They're like, if you don't give a good handshake, that's like 50% off your grade. What? like... I mean, I tried giving a handshake at this last interview, and the guy sprayed me in the face with Lysol, so. That means you didn't give a good one. That's, that's just <laughs> I didn't give him one at all. I left blind. Uh, and I got a ticket because I was driving all over the road. Uh, similar, uh, don't, don't, get, don't let him give you gum at an interview. Uh, it shows you're weak-willed. That's something that I've heard a lot, actually. Uh, I've never been offered gum at an interview, ever. And I feel like this is kind of contradictory, but you should pick up quarters at an interview apparently. And I feel like that would make you look cheap. But apparently that means you're good with money somehow? The business world's stupid, I learned in college. And there's a lot of (laughs) symbolism I don't get, and that's probably why I don't have a job. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I also don't get it, and I do have a job, so... I mean, none of those things came up in any interviews that I've ever been in, and I've had a couple jobs. (laughs) Walk into an office, he's like, hey, 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 how you doing? Oh, yep, yep. Oh, name's Robbie? Okay, sit down down. He's like pulls like roll quarters out of his pocket, dumps them on the floor. Would you like a piece of gum? <laughs> and if he sees you just picking up all the quarters, he's like, nice. <laughs> no, I don't want your gum. I think I'll pay for my own gum with these quarters that I found on the floor. <laughs> and then he like he's like, all right, I think we're almost done here. And he reaches out the hand, and it's it's all right there. That is ninety nine percent of the interview. Can you grab his hand and give a good handshake? And, you know, when I do, I go, like, slap, slap, fist bump. <laughs> and I guess that's not what you're supposed to do. The do, noodle like, is just a, a plate to grab all the sauce. Yeah. It's like rice, but Italian. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>